Cole Ross. And you're listening to Watch Out for Fireballs Dispatch, the monthly show where we do some things that Cole will list. Sometimes I list them and then Cole lists them again. I'll let you have that one, buddy. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Uh, we're going to uh, answer your questions and your prompts. We're going to do a special topic. We're going to read your responses to uh, we're going to read your responses to the games we've uh, covered this month. Then we're going to announce mm-hmm. uh, when next month's. Uh, no, yes, we're going to remind you of next month and then announce April's games. There we go. Indeed. Yeah, uh, it's going to be fun. We're going to get right into it. We have uh, just as also as a special for you Q and A fans. <laughs> uh, you. You uh, you jackals slept on State of Decay, so mm. no, nobody had anything to say about it. So we're going to extra questions. Yeah. Responses uh, <laughs> this month. Uh, Andrew uh, says, please rank the following WAF games exclusively in order of their success as detective games. And uh, I'll, we'll go over them. He lists all the detective adjacent games we've done. Yeah. Then any other ones uh, I forgot, uh, or you can leave some of those out. It's up to you. <laughs> Yeah. Thanks, <laughs> <It is up to. laughs> yeah. No. It, ultimately, yeah. it always is. Uh, but yeah. uh, but no, I appreciate this question, especially in light of. Uh, I mean, a couple of these are ones that we've done fairly recently. I'm going to issue mm-hmm. like a general ranking. Uh, I'm going to issue yeah. a ranking because I think that's that that's a little bit too granular to do in audio. But I think like a like a tier like like that like this is what I want them to be uh, like a medium like eh, okay and then this is actually a dog shit one. In in terms of like success as detective games, it it is almost Return of the Obra Dinn at number one. Yep, everything else tied for last. <laughs> like none of the other games really have you do detective stuff, right? Um, you know, Paradise Killer. Like I said, you you do figure out the mystery in that. That's probably a little bit better, mm-hmm. uh, kinda. Even though it's it's very linear and stuff. Uh, Disco Elysium is a better game than all of these games, but it it's not. You know, you go through the steps, right? Like, yeah, it's got detective stuff. You you do make some inductions and mm-hmm. stuff, but it is generally that's more determined by your stats. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, La Noir has kind of some detective stuff like the walking around waiting for evidence that you can pick up um is you know just neither here nor there it's like a, a task yeah because you, know, you usually can't leave until you get all the stuff mm-hmm. what makes me put la noir up there like this would be in the top tier if there if, if we were doing like tiers la noir i think captures something which is that you know discerning whether or not somebody's telling the truth not just based on evidence but also based on their appearance and the way they talk yes it is overblown and everything but that is an element that is not present anywhere else um yeah. and that alone i think is like a big part of discerning truth you know is not just the subject matter but you know the, the the ways that people uh kind of present it also a feather in la noir's cap is the fact that you can fail uh you can you can you can fail a a, 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 a what a, a task yeah, yeah yeah and um it will continue on you can go past like you can go down the wrong path yeah. and like get the wrong person um, and I think that that kind of 
that kind of wide openness is actually really good and useful. Well, it's I nothing is I mean it's it's very good and useful to a game. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like definitely a detective game, but like if you can't make the wrong inductions, what is the point of having inductions? Right. You know. Uh yeah, I would I would agree with that. It's it's the I you know, there are demerits for just the cartooniness, obviousness of the lying, I think. Yeah. But I don't know how to get around that. Mm-hmm. You know? Um the way you get around I guess the way you get around it is uh how contradiction did it. Which is uh, having it not be something where, you know, in contradiction, people lie, it's very obvious, but then you have to find the textual evidence. Yes. And you kind of do that in L.A. Noir, but the mm-hmm. textual, you have like three things. Yeah. You can show them in any given case. The possibility space is too too small. Yeah. That's more akin you know? to like the second and third Phoenix Wright games where you have the spirit lock uh, kind of deal. Yeah. Like, okay, somebody's lying to you. And you need to, you know, you'll get into a guided series of questioning questions, almost like the uh, cross uh, cross examinings, and you have to present the correct thing that contradicts what they're saying. Yeah, yeah, that that's that's good detective work mm-hmm. stuff. Um, in terms of like on the ground, I think Oberdin Oberdin's the best. Oh yeah, like in terms of like actually like inspecting a scene. Um, sinking city is very linear. Like there's not, I don't feel like there's a lot of detective stuff in that. Like it feels cool. Mm-hmm. You're not doing a lot of induction yeah, uh, or deduction. Mm-hmm. Uh, Layton doesn't have any really, yeah. uh, the characters just solve the mystery and you hang out. <laughs> uh, same with Thimbleweed Park, I would say. Pretty much. Yeah. Like, uh, Thimbleweed. Uh, thim- yeah. Deadly yeah. Premonition is yeah. more, uh, I mean, aside from the open world stuff, you know, it's pretty, it's pretty linear. Yeah. The good things to the detective game, and I, I'm going to say also, we still have not had a great de- holistic detective game. You mean like, like I Dirk, Dirk Gently's holistic detective agency? Well, we certainly haven't had that. As, I mean, I'm sure there's actually an Infocom <laughs> yeah. like, text adventure about that. But we haven't had a, a detective game that I think operates on all cylinders. Mm-hmm. Uh, the way, you know, uh, clue hunting with... You know, with the the ability space for failure, like you can you can miss the clues. Yeah. Uh, interrogations, uh, you know, deductions, um, evidence, like those kind of things. All the steps. Yeah. It's it's real piecemeal. Like it feels like games either get you know none or one. Yeah. Yeah. And there are you know the, the, there's some big ones we haven't played. We haven't played the kind of more recent. Sherlock Holmes games, which I understand lean into that a little bit more. Um, and it has been forever since I've played um, like Ace Attorney Investigations, uh, the Miles mm-hmm. Edgeworth one, which is specifically about investigating. But I do not know um, if that is, you know, substantially, you know, different, let's say, than Phoenix Wright. I would almost I guarantee, almost guarantee yeah. you can't fail forward in it. Yeah. Like that's not um, a, a game philosophy that, that happens with no. Capcom really. Or that series, like I'm sure you're just mandatory to get all the things before you can move on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, Ethan writes, "You are crowned king of video games and are tasked with making the video game industry and games themselves more ethical. What changes do you make as a whole?" Quick caveat: Video games must continue to exist and be fun. Um, here's where I just, uh, recite the meme. I want shorter games with worse graphics made by people who work, uh, shorter hours. And I'm not kidding. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Smaller scope, uh, less money for, you know, executives. It's, it's, it's just, just redistribution of wealth, which is the answer to like almost everything. <laughs> oh yeah. No, you know, it's just, there's really no reason for, you know, like your Bobby's Kotick to be paid as much as they are. <laughs> yeah. No one needs to be that rich. And he certainly doesn't based on what he does and the value he provides. 
So pay him less, <laughs> redistribute that to everyone else, and then uh, chill on the deadlines. Yeah. Like art forward, you know, make the game like it, it yes you can run into feature creep at that point and stuff but let's not slippery slope it mm-hmm. you know there there's a happy medium between these two things yeah like no one has to crunch if you get to the point where the game's coming out and it's not done yet you delay it mm-hmm. like delays are really the answer uh yeah. delays and and changing where people get paid yes so no one has to <laughs> no one has to crunch and everyone is fairly compensated and then job security would be a big thing too yes um you know, and I think that would be awesome because then studios would have more of a set identity. Mm-hmm. You know, like you'd be like, oh, this is a game from this kind of studio because the same people would be working on it. It wouldn't be this traveling band of mercenaries. There's so much wrong with the Japanese out. games industry. But like when we look at a studio like From and, you know, people that had worked on like Kingsfield, the ancient city are still at the company doing different things. You know, yeah. like I think that that is super important. And the fact that just by and large, the majority, you know, at, at a huge chunk of the staff and thus a huge amount of like institutional knowledge is just flushed down the toilet to be spit back onto the market whenever a project finishes. That's pretty deleterious. Yeah, that's like that. that that's not a yeah, that would be a big thing that I would. Yeah, I would get rid of 100%. It's so funny. So, All so, right. yeah. so, so ruling out the one thing that would fix this, which is good labor rights and proper distribution of wealth based on, uh, you know, the, the efforts that are put in um, ruling the one thing that would fix this out. Uh, what do we want to gnaw on the edges with? <laughs> Oh, I mean, I don't want to rule that, that thing out. No, it just, really it just, the answer. And, it's funny and, how that's how the conversation usually goes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like it, it just, it feels like it's too direct. But the other thing too, is that the, the, you know, your chickens little and such are going to be like, oh, games won't exist and won't be fun then. Yes, they will. Yeah. Uh, you know, I think that, um, you know, there are people who disagree with it. There's like tons of games out there. Yep. Uh, stance. Uh, but they're, I think they're wrong. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, I think they're like provably wrong yeah um you know even people who are just play mainstream games like there are people who don't look at indie games at all and just want gigantic tentpole releases and be like oh there's nothing coming out all those people right now are like uh elden ring or uh horizon mm-hmm. and both you know both of those i don't know how long elden ring is but it has potential to be long mm-hmm. given it's from stuff game and horizon's like 100 hours if you do all the stuff Yep. Like you are fine. <laughs> uh, you know, if, if that happened, if these were not coming out in the same month, mm-hmm. if they had to delay again, you would be okay. Yeah. I promise. <laughs> you, the worst case scenario, you have to try something new. Yeah. Uh, you know, poor baby has to, has to try <laughs> to play a different genre. They're not used to, or not even a different genre, just like mm-hmm. something by a smaller company. Yeah. That the, just the, the, that is out there, just so readily available for you. Yeah. Something that would actually be easier than everything that we're saying that I think would actually, you know, I don't know, would be useful to me is like a like a no crunch label. Like if a game was advertised saying nobody crunched to make this, you know, yeah. Um, and there have been studios who have done that. Slime Rancher, that studio uh, who makes that very good game, uh, doesn't do crunch, and they're really open about it. And I think that is cool. Could. Could studios lie about it? Yeah, but it also, weaponized. oh yeah, like the the second it became advertising, mm-hmm. it would be like we can technically put this on, right? Because you know, because we did turnover, we fired everyone as soon as they got tired and fired new people. Like, yeah, I suppose yeah. incentives get weird, the, the, but the the actual secret answer at the the base of this is that. Uh, things are just going to continue to get worse and worse and worse. Oh yeah, no. And well, even as the king of video games, we'd have no power over. 
over yeah. market forces. The, the the king of video games, uh, you know, still lives in hell. So yeah, <laughs> it, it, it's largely a ceremonial title. <laughs> yeah, I mostly cut <laughs> ribbons. <laughs> yeah, you mostly cut ribbons. You're an ambassador. Uh huh. You know. And you represent video games as kind of a culture, but you're, the actual power is is not held by the king of video games. No, no. King of name only. <laughs> Kino. Uh, the uh, Doug asks, uh, recently I decided to play Metroid Dread and quit on the last boss to watch the ending on YouTube. Looking back, I realized I've noped out of a large number of games at the last boss. Returnal, Blasphemous, Bloodstained, the list goes on and on. I realized the price for mastering these fights was too hard for the reward. I'm too old to care about gamer cred or get good. Hey, as a kid, I beat rentals on the NES. Your millennial, your millennial ass can't conceive of young straw man. <laughs> uh, is this just me or a failure of game design? I've listened to your thoughts on good boss fight design, but how do you think a game should approach the balance between challenge and fun? I mean, that is a really difficult question to answer because I think it changes, you know, per, uh, you know, per, per, per example. Uh, Yeah, I don't worry. That last boss in Metroid Dread is a fucking nightmare. So don't don't feel bad. A Um, and 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 B, you know, I, I, I would prize fun. But you get into problems where, you know, somebody says, actually, I like having my ball stomped on by a video game. Yeah. There's a lot of CBT fans out there in the world of video games. Yeah. And there's they're just driven by different things like, you know, Doug, like myself, not driven, uh, you know, by mastery. Mm-hmm. It doesn't, you know, I don't want just a high wall to climb and I don't want to make many attempts to climb it because I don't feel quite, I don't feel as good as a lot of people do Yeah, when I finally make it over that. And that's, that's a feeling that people literally chase. Like that's yes. why they play video games, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. So it's not, and some, and, and the, the, the line, like you said, Cole is subjective. Like sometimes it is bad design. Sometimes it's just, it's not what I'm looking for. Mm-hmm. And that difference only kind of matters because, yeah. it, because it is in the eye of the beholder. Like I can be like, this is what I would do differently to make this work for me. Mm-hmm. I think this sucks. Yeah. Uh, but somebody else is, is always, and you know, trust us, we know mm-hmm. someone out there is going to be like, no, 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 that's actually perfect. <laughs> or you know, the, the, the two you, sharks and the bloodboard and the, the village that you go down <laughs> the well, that's perfect. That's a perfect encounter. Yes. Somebody out there fucking thinks it, you know, it's or, wild, but somebody thinks it just use a kukri. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, oh, there's, there's this one, yeah, there's one, one, uh, technique that you could use that makes this a little bit easier. And you didn't think of it. You clods. Um, <laughs> Absolute buffoons. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, so I don't, I don't know what the, the balance is. I, I personally, I have tons of affection for every single game that has ended in a mechanical anticlimax. Mm-hmm. Um, your Gwyn's and your true King Alance. Yeah. You know, uh, give me something that is down note and sad and easy because you've already done the entire game. So you've essentially already won. Yeah. You know, this little final little bit, uh, in order to unlock the final cutscene, does not feel meaningful to me. Usually. No, I like the final level last boss, you know, which is just like, Hey, this whole thing holistically, not just you taking out. And also it's dumb to have a story where everything is pinned on one entity that you can destroy. You know, yeah. but everything, you know, everything is pinned on you taking this guy out and everything, you know, and, and it's all fixed as opposed to, you know, just the, the make the entire area the last encounter. I think that that is more satisfying. Uh, and I think that it is also smarter because it distributes 
um, uh, the potential fail- failure points as opposed to uh, putting it all on one encounter, which is almost usually tuned like dog shit. That's, that's the thing, too, is that in the world of video games, there is a limited verb set mm-hmm. in how to scale difficulty. Yeah. Uh, and it feels like a lot of times uh, it is just done just by increasing yeah. you know, uh, more health, more damage, more phases, you know, mm-hmm. as opposed to like a more interesting yeah. uh, approach to it. Like instead of just more phases, more interesting phases, maybe this... Yeah. Uh, forces you to to do thing new new kind of things or things to a, a degree that you didn't do before not just sustained perfection yes you know or or you know and to me that's just and again tons of people <laughs> love it but to me that that sucks and don't feel bad about noping out on youtube that's valid yep uh, the, the, you know. the, that is a cheat code that we all have and you don't even have to buy a game genie to use it yeah who cares? Uh, <laughs> and if you care about how other people do that, if you're listening to this, you're like, man, Doug didn't really get the real experience of Metroid Dread. Mm-hmm. Uh, reflect. Yeah. Because that's, rec- that's, that's a wild attitude. Like, you know, Doug's okay. Yeah. He's not writing this in as like a suicide note about <laughs> his shame. You know, he's okay. Like, he's, he's still, like, Doug uh, loves Returnal. Uh-huh. Like, you know, he's he had a lot of fun with that game and really liked it. Uh, mm-hmm. His joy is real. Fun is real. It's not <laughs> something that you get to decide whether somebody had real fun or not. Yeah. Yeah. You can still play video games, but a part of your hobby is uh, coming down hard on other people for how they play. I'd recommend another, yeah. another hobby in addition uh, to replace that one. Jigsaw puzzles. I did one over the weekend that it was really difficult. Uh, did it with my grandma. Nice. Yeah. They've gotten yeah. they've gotten bonkers, Gary. <laughs> I uh, I just look up jigsaw, completed jigsaw puzzles on YouTube. Well, what what's weird is they ship it with the walkthrough, which is the picture on the front of the box. Yeah, it's like yeah. Final it's Fantasy like old, It's actually like a return to old, like how sixteen bit RPGs would would come with the map for the first, like for the dungeons and stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know. Yeah. <laughs> uh, let's see here. Andrew says, playing Pokemon Brilliant Diamond, I realized that I still hold on to the superstition that if I press the A button at the exact right time, the attack makes the sound effect. Um, I have a higher chance of getting a critical attack. I've been playing since Red and Blue and have never been able to shake this thought. Uh, Are there any gaming superstitions or known misconceptions that you just refuse to disbelieve? I don't, I can't think of any, sadly. It, it, it's, it's difficult, like, the, it's difficult to set those, set those apart from compulsions, right? Like, I don't double jump everywhere because I think it's going to get me through faster or easier. I double jump everywhere because it's fun. Yeah. Yeah. Um, like, I, I ride the door in, in Mario 2. Yeah. Like, ride the, the bird beak and stuff like that. But it's not a superstition. It's just because it, like, is a cool thing to do. I right. come up with a goofy pose to slide through the Mega Man boss door. <laughs> you know, you never just walk through that. Do something. Yeah. You do it. Uh, you know? It's a, it's a, it's a it's a ritual, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, one of these that I held to for a while, and I only really stopped because I stopped playing Pokemon games. Was I never heard the one about doing like the active time attack, like it was a Mario RPG on the attack to do, to to do a critical? But absolutely, if I uh, if I hit a Pokemon and I was waiting to see if it was captured. You know, with a Pokeball, mm-hmm. um, I would absolutely. Well, there are many schools of thought in my uh, playground. Uh, there was either uh, tapping, you know, t- tap the A button as fast as you can to make sure that it holds, or um, hold down on B at the uh, at the exact right uh, moment that it uh, starts wiggling for the third time. Oh. Yeah, and that'll my, like my instinct is to not down. press it like a, like a Jenga tower. Yeah, you know, like whoa, 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 
hold still. Yeah. You know? Um, but yeah, it, it's not it, it, for, for me, it's, it's not a thing really that confers advantage. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, Alex, uh, says in middle school, my friend Brent and I were obsessed with star Wars galaxies every day at lunch. We would share cool things we had found awesome deeds we had performed and which Gundams we had somehow modded into the game and instances in which we were sure we had just missed running into each other in the vastness of the galaxy far, far away. This went on for most of the year until Bionicle came out, and we suddenly had much more important things to worry about. However, neither I nor Brent had owned or played Star Wars Galaxies, and personally, I didn't even have home internet at the time. We just happily <laughs> lied to each other for several months, playing along with this weird fantasy we had created where two kids played a computer game. We never acknowledged this or brought it up again after we had moved on to other, more real, and infinitely more uh, bionicolastical <laughs> things. That's uh, an adjective for bionicle-like. Uh, what is the most bonkers lie you have ever told or been told about a video game? God, the, God I love that in middle school, Alex and his friend basically did the sketch from the Amnesia episode. They, they did. Yeah. But I have a much more condemning word for it. Gaslighting. <laughs> <laughs> but what um, if they were doing it together? <laughs> they like both like intentionally um were lying to each other, but unintentionally they were creating a folie à deux. <laughs> yeah. Did, did, did you, hey, did you hear the rumor that Alex and Brent were under the bleachers gaslighting each other all night? <laughs> like, <laughs> oh, this is so good. Uh, like, I so yeah. I, I love this because because uh, I, I, when I was reading this response, I was like, Star Wars mods? Like, who put Gundams? Like, I never played that, but I followed it because it seemed interesting, you know? Just like reading about it. Mm -hmm. Like, I never read about a fucking Gundam. I was into Gundams and Star Wars Galaxy at the same time. Come on, dude. And then I got to the end and I was like, oh, there we go that owns i love this behavior yeah. it's it's very uh it's very like kid yes like it, it's very much a, a a kid good thing um my uh my liar friend that i had in school who <laughs> who did this, this guy named doug is friends with me and Derek. uh most of his lies were not video game related right like he just lied about life and other things you know mm -hmm. uh but every once in a while he would lie so we got we were really into adventure games and playing them kind of as a group mm -hmm. so when i played through all the you know played through most of the leisure shoot larry's fun with those two awesome. fellas and and he used to lie about unlocking you know nudities and the like <laughs> uh, various things like that uh and then we would he'd be like oh, i can't get to work mm -hmm. but then he was also like the guy who used to lie about like everything yeah like uh, my favorite moment is he made a, a bologna sandwich and he put uh just an inhuman amount of hot sauce on it oh. just being like oh i really i really love hot sauce you know like spicy i'm you know really really styling <laughs> he took a bite out of it and then had to spit it out and was like oh i forgot i'm allergic to bologna <laughs> it's uh. <laughs> <laughs> so good well, that's so funny and that, that's like yeah, appropriate was... like if you wrote that i would say oh i would choose a different lunch meat because baloney is another way of saying lies saying lying yeah, yeah. like oh that's baloney come on <laughs> it's it's very funny I'm allergic. <laughs> I, I wish i got I'd go back in time because we're like i'm allergic to baloney too baloney coming out of your mouth <laughs> It was like inhabited by a time traveling Milton Berle or something. Arm <laughs> <laughs> leaped. Uh, I love that so goddamn much. Uh, <laughs> it was very funny. Why didn't you? Why didn't uh, you? Um, uh, well, this is the first time that I'm hearing this. When we were talking about our personal dermits, uh, you never. No. You, yeah, that's a real dermit kind of thing. 
he it was weird it was sadder than dermot oh okay which is yeah. a real damning thing to say but it was it was just uh he doesn't he didn't have like badass confidence okay he had he had weird like i don't know it, it had a real different style but that he there was some dermot dna for sure yeah like i had i had like a couple of friends who would lie about um like reviving heiress you know uh sure just like all the ridiculous things they did and i got her but then when she died in combat the next time she was gone forever just a bunch of bunch of stuff like that uh i had a <laughs> my liar friend i like this is real young like first or second grade had a liar friend named brandon uh who just was always making stuff up but i kind of knew and i would just like ask him questions to to see how yeah. to see how much further i could get him to go you know um mm -hmm. and like one time he he this like first or second grade at recess he was telling me about like oh my uncle he got me into the studios where star wars was made and he showed me like an actual lightsaber and i was like oh wow like how does it work like, do you know do, do they hurt he's like oh man they cut off my forearm and i was like oh, wait huh. what i mean he, this was a person who had both of his both of his hands all of that kind of stuff. Um, and like I, an easy lie to disprove. Yeah. And I said, well, like, I mean, so like, how do they put it back on? And he said, oh, it moves in such a way that it cuts it off like in a like jagged way. Like he did like a, you know, like an up and down like sawtooth kind of thing. So that way they can just push it back on and push real hard and then it stays. There's something about the light that makes that happen. And I was like, okay, that makes sense. <laughs> like scary that guy had no, no, that's like uh in 40 year old virgin where he's like thinks when you grab a breast it's like a bag of sand <laughs> like he doesn't know how bodies work he did go on to be one of the lead developers on resident evil uh seven. Oh yeah that's very very good of course <laughs> the the uh yeah that's that that to me is scary i would think that my friend was a replicoid or something <laughs> like scenario oh man uh, uh, <laughs> I, at some at some point, like I feel a little mean about it because like Doug's gone on and been like a, a normal dude and stuff, and he's fine, uh -huh. you know. But but some of that guy's lies and, and stuff were just like incredible stuff. Uh, I, I'm sure if you, if, I mean, saying it on the show, who knows how he would feel about it? But um, but I, he's got to have some kind of just like, yeah, I did that. It was yeah, that that that, that would you know, be the he, thing. I, yeah, I I'm laughing about it now. You know, like I, I have no hate in my heart for Doug. Yeah. And I understand why somebody would do that. You know, like I, I get it. Yeah. yeah it's, it's ridiculous, yeah, it's, it's, but you're, you're a teen and like you, you are, I have sympathy, you know, mm -hmm. like you're a teen and you, uh, you, you want to seem cool. Yeah. It's like the most important thing in the world. It's before you realize cool is fake. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know? you know, and also like, it's, <laughs> it's, you know, it's not hurting anybody, you know, like it's not a, no, it's not like a big lie. So no, 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 no. Yeah. It was, uh, it was pretty harmless. Yeah. But it is very, very funny. I think about that from time to time. <laughs> yeah. Uh, let's see here. Matt says last year I was playing cyber cyberpunk 2077, a notoriously buggy game. I was riding real fast on a motorcycle. Didn't see a car in front of me and slammed full speed into the back of it. I was thrown from the bike, but the janky collision uh, made the car act, <laughs> made the car I hit act as a ramp, and I was launched hundreds of feet into the air. I soared casually over the skyscrapers, landed nice and gently in the ocean at the edge of the map. Um, I'm not even mad. It was great. What are, what are some of your uh, favorite and most memorable bugs you've encountered? 
uh, my favorite, I haven't mentioned this before. My favorite bug was, uh, my very first, um, whatever, I can't remember the name of the game, Gamebryo engine game mm-hmm. was Fallout 3. Um, being in a dungeon, uh, there was a Meyer lurk that was glitching out. So it was splashing, you know, okay. like the corpses in that game vibrate. Yeah. Uh, and I thought I was being stalked. Something <laughs> in the dungeon, like I thought I was dealing with a higher caliber of video game than I was, <laughs> you know, in terms, of, in terms of technical. And I was so scared hearing this just splashing and not being able to find where it was coming from. Splish, like splash. I thought, are there invisible enemies? Like, what is this? <laughs> and then eventually found the corpse just like, <laughs> you know, in, in a puddle. <laughs> and uh, big smile on my face when that <sighs> happened. I love all glitches if they don't stop me from playing the game. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, every time that happens, it's a blessing. If you see a T-pose, it's like you're going to have a good day for the rest of the day. It's a, it's God smiling on you. Oh, yeah. No, jank for life. Uh, lo- yeah. Love it so goddamn much. Uh, I've said this one before, but I uh, was playing Silent Hill Shattered Memories for the first time uh, in the apartment, which is already kind of like a uh, maze of hallways that you're going through. There's a long uh, staircase that you run up. Uh, as I was playing, uh, my character, Harry, he fell through the stairs and I ended mm-hmm. up like in this big black void. And no yes. matter which direction I ran, uh, like I couldn't hit the end of it and I wasn't making progress. Um, and I looked up and I saw like the geometry like above me. Um, being all like labyrinthine and stuff like that. And I was like, oh, wow, like this is, this is amazing. This is just some, some you know, shit. yeah, it's real meta stuff. <laughs> and I kept on walking around and then just, you know, very slowly, uh, realized, oh, this is a, this is a glitch. I need to, I need to restart. <laughs> yeah. And when, when that kind of thing happens again, as long as I'm not losing tons of progress or making yeah. the game unwinnable or it's consistent, I'm pretty happy. That game had really generous like, checkpoints, so it was okay. Yeah. Yeah. People get mad about that stuff. I think are silly. Yeah. Um, had a good one when I was streaming state of decay Two this past weekend. It was the first, <laughs> yep. yep. It was, it was the first, uh, first session and I was really enjoying the fit and finish and the quality of life and stuff in there. It's real good. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but I was just, uh, just, you know, telling a story on the stream and I was driving this SUV and I was like, Oh, here's a zombie on the path up to the camp where I'm at. I'm just going to splash them. Uh, and I hit it and then immediately I accelerated to light speed and flew like several blocks over through the sky <laughs> he flicked so me to good. the goddamn moon <laughs> uh, one of my favorite uh and and i love how when this stuff is like utilized um in like dark souls speed running mm-hmm. uh, i love the uh iron golem skip mm-hmm. which involves like you know just really really complicated hit mechanic things that allow you to get thrown backwards into an orlando <laughs> like the iron golem basically throws you to an orlando <laughs> and stay out (laughs) it's really good stay out of Riverdale Uh, (laughs) lousy Riverdale punks (laughs) it's like really good I I love glitches Um, uh, Isaac uh, asks in the past couple years a lot more games have started to cover important identity issues such as race gender sexuality uh, which uh, that's great however there are very few games that deal with class struggle why do you think this is? And are there any games that portray this topic? Well, is commercial art just ill-equipped to make this sort of commentary? Um, it is. So, uh, yeah, th- this is interesting. Mm-hmm. So like in big budget games, right? Like where yeah. we are getting more, uh, identity politic stuff, 
not mm-hmm. complaining about that. Nobody yep. take any of these clips. Uh, <laughs> like, and, you know, and, and because that is becoming a safer thing. Yeah. Uh, you know, like look into any kind of like anytime a corporation is like, you know, we care. Here's a diversity like Olay cares about body diversity. Mm-hmm. Here's here's a, a beautiful model who is 10 pounds overweight. Yes. You know, like doing that kind of thing. It's it comes off as as silly, but not as silly as if like EA was like, hey, the, here's a video game about exploiting people yeah. <laughs> like that. You know, that would just come off like horribly. Um, we tend to get stuff with in, in smaller games mm-hmm. that deal with this st- economic reality as well. Yeah. Um, it's still rare, but it does happen. Yeah. Uh, Disco Elysium, obviously, um, as a yeah. as a game that shows, you know, not just stratification, but also the forces that uh, impose it, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then you get games that actually, like, enforce privation, like, you know, your cart lifes and, and the like, mm-hmm. that are, you know, about the mechanical sense. Uh, yeah. Papers, please. Yep. You know, economic struggle is a really big part of that. Like, you run into that kind of thing with indie stuff. I think the reason why you don't get it uh, in in big games is because one, it would be like crazy hypocritical mm-hmm. when go over well, and then I think also not to sound like a conspiracy minded person, but it's just not in their interest. No, no, it's you know? yeah, you're not going. You know, it's it's just one of those things. Like even if they're not, uh, you know, intentionally squashing those games, part of the hiring process, at least for you know, uh, like visionary talent that they have you know like people are going to come up with concepts part of the hiring process is that you wouldn't bring somebody on who would be a radical uh like that yes you know and and it's uh going back to my my first like let me let me clarify that first point i was making because this is where this is what makes that you know not sound like i'm complaining about identity politics Mm -hmm. so when oil of olay decides to do their diversity stream you know, the reason they're doing that is because it is more profitable. Yes. Same with greenwashing, uh, right? I think everybody green, understands this about greenwashing. Yep. Yeah. Greenwashing, uh, you know, queer ba- you know, queer washing, like all of these things. When when a company does that, it is not because they have all of a sudden decided now we care about this. Mm-hmm. It's because it is more profitable. It is not more profitable right now. Like even though the winds are blowing, like eventually, you know, I, I do think that if if we live long enough you yeah. know there will be class class awareness will go up mm-hmm. you know but it hasn't hit that tipping point right now where it is popular enough to make more money right um yeah, and cool. you know there there could be an argument about whether it ever uh it, it ever could be um profitable yes. because it's also a question of is it possible mm-hmm. is it profitable uh for the correct people and by correct people i mean people who already benefit from uh money being funneled upwards Yes. Um, you know. And this is not me to say that there is no value in representation or games about race, gender, or sexuality mm-hmm. just because it's more profitable. It's complicated. Mm-hmm. It can be both. Yeah. You know, like it, it is it is good mm-hmm. that there is more media games and things about that. Yeah. Uh, even if it is motivated for reasons that are not altruistic, yeah. it still can have a good effect. Mm-hmm. Um, for like smaller games that have handled some of this, I want to say, uh, one of the, uh, DLCs, like one of the, one of the alternate campaigns for Frostpunk is specifically about, uh, class struggle. Like, uh, it's the peasantry that leaves to set up the colony first and then the, Mm -hmm. uh, the nobility, um, shows up afterward. Yeah. 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 And you have to decide, you know, what you're going to do. Sacrificing that Lord for the greater good. (laughs) Yeah. 
great gaming moment. Yeah, yeah. And there have been, um, like, in the Haunted PS1 demo discs uh, and Dread X collections and stuff, there have been smaller, like, um, horror games that have looked into, looked at class, uh, class kind of stuff as well. So if you go hunting around in there, you're going to see that too. Yeah, it's extant. Yep. Uh, it's just, it's rare, and I think it's because it's not profitable. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see here. Ryan says with it currently being the middle of the Minnesota winter, I'm on a small play gold, play cold games kick, uh, with another run at the long dark after replaying some Frostpunk scenarios last month. Uh, both of these games nailed the audio atmosphere of being in a blizzard in their own ways. So I was wondering, uh, what are some of your favorite examples you found of games hitting their sound design perfectly? Hmm. Uh, boy, what what do you got, Cole? Like Silent Hill? I mean, of course. Silent Hill? Are you? Do you just want me to say the obvious thing so you can have yeah, time to think of your Silent Hill? Yay! Uh, I mean, obviously, I mean, just uh, as opposed to being a, a fucking parody of myself, I would say sound design is incredibly important for horror uh, in general. Mm-hmm. And when that falls down, it falls down real hard. You know, like mm-hmm. they just uh, the, the, that is the essential spice that you need to make that uh, to make that particular uh, dish. You know, I think yeah. that uh, Dead Space, you know, um, would be a substantially worse game if it's uh, sound design specifically in one, but it's also present in two. But like one is very much trying to make you feel entombed in that space station or no, uh, mm-hmm. feel, feel entombed in that gigantic ship, uh, mm-hmm. you know, that is falling apart around you. Uh, like playing that in uh, surround sound early on was kind of a revelation for me. Uh, so I think that would be like the obvious thing to say, like right out the gate. Yeah, I, I don't I don't really have too much more to add. I, I find that like outside of stress games, yeah. you know, as a broader category that contains horror games, mm-hmm. it tends not to be as important. Yeah. You know, like, yes, you can walk around in an open world game and hear birds and stuff. But if I'm being super honest, a lot of times I don't notice that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Um, there are some times where um, where sound design is uh, used, I think, as a necessary part of uh, bringing in the illusion. And so I think that, like, I don't play a ton of racing games, but the two that I have, you know, uh, put the most time into or have been the most like, oh, yeah, this this is awesome about Burnout Paradise and Forza Horizon 5. Both of those do an amazing job of um, uh, kind of like leading into making you feel like you were in a car that is being pushed into its maximum limits. You know, this, the engine sound is, I think, just as important uh, as like the screen shakes and the weird like fish eye zoom that they do, you know. So yeah. I think that's uh, that's pr- uh, pretty important as well. There's a lot of science that goes into this, and I have some guilt around the fact that I just notice when it's bad. Mm hmm. You know, when it's good, it just kind of feels right and contributes, but it's not something that uh, I pay 100% attention to. Yeah. I'm easily distracted. I got my (laughs) phone right there. Uh, uh, Andrew asks, uh, becoming a minorly successful content creator in the last few years, I feel like I'm burning out. Not with the work, but with the audience. I get annoyed at pretty much any comment I receive, good or bad, from the honestly pretty great community that engages with my work. I feel myself having to phrase everything in anticipation of criticism or people pointing out exceptions or misconstruing my words. But I hate that it's making me become resentful of my audience, of the internet, of everything about what is still, in most ways, a dream job. Any tips on dealing with these feelings as two creators who have an intense community of people engaging with them via Slack, Twitter, and Patreon? 
Uh, what a good question. Hey, was this you writing um, this one? <laughs> yeah, yeah this is, are you trying to set us up? Uh, <laughs> this is a honeypot. Are you wearing a wire? Uh, <laughs> yeah, are you wearing a wire? Um, yeah, what a, what a good question. Yeah, yeah. Uh, this is real. Mm-hmm. I don't want anyone who's listening to this to be like, oh, Gary and Cole are saying this is a real thing. That must mean they hate me. Yeah. No, it's mm-hmm. it's just uh, the, the way that I think about it um, is that... Uh, even for a dream job, like mm-hmm. this is this is a dream job I did not imagine having in a million years. Right. Just that that is the end of the day is the most important thing. Uh, the downsides of this are better than the downsides of almost any other job, mm-hmm. but they're unique. Yes. Uh, so <laughs> no other job I've ever had has prepared me for the downsides of this job. Yes. So while the downsides are not so bad, I'm completely, you know, I have no uh, armor or practice at them. Mm-hmm. So like, you know, we go on a podcast and make fun of the fifth element, which I did not know was mm-hmm. the most popular movie of all time. Yeah. yeah. And get an entire week of, a, <laughs> you know, two dozen strangers telling me, you know, correcting my opinion. Yeah. Or like, uh, <laughs> exit, uh, Patreon exit uh, things. And these yeah. guys hate everything. Oh, my God. I just, I just Yeah. You guys must be, you know, you, you guys hate everything. And it so that is that is small ball. Yes. Right. There, there are people who are slaves. Like there are people who made my phone. Mm-hmm. You know, and and my like it could be so much worse. Yeah. But that's not the same thing as like you can't just do rounding. Like it does something to you mm-hmm. to be just like have open yourself up to strangers to just provide commentary on everything you think and do. Especially when like we put so much of ourselves into this as well. The, oh yeah. The, the 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 line between hey this thing you said is wrong and there is something just missing in you as a person like you yeah, were you, you no were soul. you were born without something essential I like yeah. you're you're something lesser than me because of that you know nobody's yeah, you, ever you, said you, anything. you do not you're not interested in speed racer which means that you have no heart and no soul right and I'm like I have a heart and a soul. Mm-hmm. I'm a deeply feeling person. I just <laughs> thought that movie looked like shrill. You know, I, the so it does something. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's not even even now we're couching. Yes, like we're being like we don't want to complain too much. I don't have a solution for this, and I wish I did. Yes, I'm going to write into Andrew's thing and ask him. Yeah, see, see, see uh, if, <laughs> if, if he has anything. The only thing that I have ever had success with a, I mean, obviously time. You know, generally yeah. things get, you know, easier over time as opposed to more difficult, except for like standing up. Standing up is going to get harder over time. Um, sure. <laughs> yeah, of course. Yeah. yeah. Um, but, um, uh, you know, so, there, so there's time and then the, then also trying to just be really, really conscious of boundaries, you know, like yeah. I'm going to set up this boundary because, you know, it's really hard to get sympathy for this. And also there are tons of people who just like are, are in the same like zip code as us, but not in the same neighborhood. They're in a neighborhood where they have to call the police to like have somebody come by and like set up a watch because they got a death threat. Right. Yeah. You know, we're not forwarding or, or anything to the FBI. A woman and they just get not only uh, an order of magnitude more comments, mm-hmm. but an order of magnitude grosser. Yes. And more personal comments. Like yeah. no one's, you know, DMing me and saying they want to drink my bathwater or some shit. Right, right. Trust me, it's not good. <laughs> it's the worst tea you ever had. Yeah. Like, I, I I'm happy yeah. that there is a pipe that takes it out to the out to the house or out to the street yeah. most of the time, you know? 
Yeah. Uh, so aside from couching it that way, boundaries, it's the, the a lot of this is kind of like imaginative wherever you lived, there was just a window open that anybody could walk up to and shout in at any time. And then also having yes. <laughs> having your uh, your your house on a, on a main on a main thoroughfare. Eventually, you have to close those windows if you're if you're able to. And if you're not, you have to build a window to put there. <laughs> right mm -hmm. you know you can still look out and see but like i, I don't know like like the, the, this this pipe doesn't go this direction actually no. well and it's also hard because i that's something that i have been i say i'm working on it but i've been working on it for four years right you know or five years i've been working on it for half a decade trying to enact that mm -hmm. and it's a thing where if you're not good at that initially it becomes harder Yes. You know, to, to start doing because those pathways are open and I have been trying to make inroads into boundary making mm -hmm. where like I maybe I don't have to answer this DM or maybe I don't need to. I can just mute this person who like did a drive by on Twitter yeah. to correct my opinion on something, mm -hmm. um, you know, and I'm getting slowly better at it. But it's it's fucking work. Yeah. Like and again, it's not work like sandblasting in the desert is work, mm -hmm. but it, it's it's hard. It yes. is difficult to do for me mm -hmm. you know yeah so the, 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 this uh, is it, it is an emotion it's it's an emotionally taxing job and i think that yes. because because of the nature of the work you're gonna have to you know determine your own kind of emotional needs you know if there's burnout um happening i think the 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 the, the proper response to any kind of burnout is a short break and then renegotiation you know yeah 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 but the, that may uh, the other thing too is that there's it, it's super subjective to the person. So like, obviously me and Cole are open wounds. Like Cole and I are, are very sensitive boys. So mm -hmm. when somebody yells at us, it comes up and we couch everything. And it sounds like Andrew is that way too. Yeah. There are people who just have a fuck the haters attitude. Yep. And they're born with that or they developed it in uh, a previous uh, time in their life mm -hmm. and are able just to be like, this doesn't matter. Yeah. Uh, I have a very hard, this is not virtue signaling. I have a very hard time writing a person off. Mm -hmm. of just being like why does why do i count and that person doesn't count yeah uh you know i i philosophically i try not to do that mm -hmm. and it makes this very difficult but just know that also that this is uh you know this is not something that is is universal if you're hearing this and you're, you're like god what a bunch of mm -hmm. you know it's it's not uh it's specific to us it's not everybody it's yeah. like a, a specific feeling that we have <laughs> so. you want you want to know what's hard to find uh, a therapist who understands this job. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I've talked to at least three people who just—they might as well have just printed out that Tyler, the creator, or uh, uh, tweet like, what, what, "What even is cyberbullying?" Just, just turn it off, walk yeah. away. You know, <laughs> like, yeah. yeah. <sighs> Um, wow, that was a tough question. Yeah, and, and also that yeah. moved us on to life questions. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> With a doozy. With a doozy. Uh, this one should be a little bit easier. Matthew says, for q and I was wondering, uh, how do you guys avoid social burnout with each other? Uh, if you do at all. I got my best friend uh, a job with me, and it was, and it has been absolutely great. Uh, but now that I see him every hour, every weekday, I find myself forcing, uh, I find myself forcing myself to hang out after work or on days off. Uh, I have absolutely no problems with him. I just noticed I've kind of lost lost the desire to go to places and hang out. Have you experienced that in any form in your work partnership? No. 
Uh, yeah, no, we 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 don't uh, we don't hang out outside of work because no. we live in half a country away. Yeah, I'm a six hour did, plane maybe, ride. Maybe, yeah, yeah it's a six hour. So maybe that would make a difference, right? Mm-hmm. Um, as is, uh, what I have noticed is more that uh, the job fulfills a lot of my social needs. Yes, in general, as as not somebody who has tons of social needs. Mm-hmm. So the fact that I, you know I talk to you every you know most days mm-hmm. uh, does fulfill that for me yep. and makes it so my other friendships i may be less desirous mm-hmm. to, to go out i still hang out with people but it, it's less so than than maybe i would have wanted to without the job yeah um but but you know if in your situation matthew where you're getting kind of both the after mm-hmm. hours and the, the hours me and cole are just getting the hours yes you know the after hours aren't really a thing and when we do hang out in person mm-hmm. during conventions and stuff it's a treat because it happens you know in, in the before times it happens twice a year it's it's pretty yeah fun seldom mm-hmm. yeah and even then it's like all right i'm gonna be in this part of the hotel room you're gonna be in that part of the hotel room and we're just gonna like play our play our uh game boy for a little bit yeah. you know yeah um the the situation that you that you have um uh kind of outlined is a little bit like you know i've had bad experiences being a roommate with friends you know yeah yeah yeah, just uh, just uh, just a lot of time with one particular person is uh is is, is pretty hard and that's why monogamy is a myth hard pivots (laughs) obviously i'm joking uh but but, um but yeah uh that is a that 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 is a tough situation and i would say i don't i cannot i cannot think of uh an easy way out of this other than uh explaining yourself clearly when uh when when the next time it comes up um well there's an implied it's not said in the, the question but there's an implied uh like matthew's buddy is is not in the same position yes maybe maybe they are yeah maybe your buddy is also feeling the same thing and you guys are just yeah we hang out all day at work and i'm going to spend my off time alone or with other friends and maybe Mm -hmm. that's actually mutual and you both yeah want that you know it might be worth you know just being like hey it's always okay to be like hey i'm feeling kind of kind of burned out tonight i just want to blast it i just want to hang out at home Mm-hmm. that's like always okay yeah you know you don't have to i don't think you have to feel bad about that in any situation but in this situation it's possible your friend will be like yeah you know me too it just we you know we hang out all day and, and you could be like yeah and it could mm-hmm. it could just be a different uh kind of evolution of your friendship not worse because yeah. you're not doing beers yeah after work you know if you were doing like a you know a, a game night and then uh like once a week and then beers you know, three nights a week or whatever, like maybe you go down to game night and be, and then uh, beers once a week, you know, like yeah. just, uh, again, <laughs> break and renegotiate. It's so powerful. Yeah. 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 It is okay to, to, uh, acknowledge the fact that your social meter is depleted. Yeah. Um, how to, um, how to say that without saying I'm sick of you because I spend so much time with you or making it be heard that way. I don't know how to answer that. Cause I don't know your friend. So, yeah. But uh, yeah, just be honest. Yeah, I'd say. Uh, Greg asks, and this is a uh, summary. We summarize the response. Uh, Greg grew up in the eighties and nineties, constantly bored uh, because he had played and seen everything they wanted. But now he's an adult, and in the current glut, I can't remember the last time he was bored. It's a good problem to have, but there's so much great stuff that I'm missing. I'm just scratching the surface. Do you guys have the same problem? And do you think the current volume of pleasure content, <laughs> pleasure content, uh, for us to consume is good, or is it just too much and we should slow down uh, so we can consume it all? Um, never going to consume it all. You're never going to be caught yeah. up. Uh, Can't really slow down. Like you can <laughs> slow down, but the the hose is not going to slow down. Yeah, yeah. You know. Uh, I, I think that there's not a whole lot to do about this. I think that it, you just kind of have to, acceptance is the only mm-hmm. 
thing. And again, it is a good problem to have. Like I, I don't get bored uh, the way that I, I used to as nope. a teen. Just remember Same. like I'm, I'm, I'm a teenager. I'm going to go bounce a ball against the wall <laughs> for a day. Yeah. <laughs> for straight six hours. Uh, Gary, what else am I going to do? That's uh, I mean, that's, that's like a, like a, somebody who collects severed heads. That's like what they do in between kills. Well, I'm, 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 I'm exaggerating. Okay. But you know what I mean? Yeah. Like uh, it just, uh, Oh, I'm a, I'm a teen. I don't have anything to do. Me and my friend are going to go like, walk somewhere and throw rocks yeah. not into a river not into the ocean not at anything yeah just do it into a field yeah just into a field who can go the furthest well that that was we figured that out now what i guess we just keep going <laughs> you know it, it's that kind of thing i don't uh i don't miss it really mm-hmm. uh, i prefer this infinite entertainment loop the thing that makes yeah. me feel anxiety is looking at like my bookshelf and looking at my gog library or my steam library mm-hmm um, that makes me feel anxiety and I have to kind of talk myself down. Yeah. Um, and the only thing that I have tried to do around it is be kind of intentional and like, I'm going to like clear this off my backlog. I'm yeah. going to read this book. Mm-hmm. I've been meaning to read it for years. I bought it a long time ago. I'm going to actually read it. Yeah. You know, and, uh, and so, so some, in the bucket. <laughs> sometimes you, you, you wake up out of a fog and you look at your nightstand and you see that there are seven books packed, uh, stacked up there. You know, like, how did that, how did that happen? All right. Well, I'm going to take six of these out. I'm going to leave just one here and try and just keep it to one until I finish this. Then I'll bring another one over, you know? Yeah. 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 Uh, that is, that is the way that is the only thing I can possibly think of. Yeah. You know, and then also, um, I don't know, like, uh, I, I, I sometimes get worried that I've, that I've never bored. I worry that, that, uh, that, that, let's see. <laughs> knocks up against some of my trouble focusing let's say mm-hmm. you know like there, i'm never i am never just alone to concentrate on something that is you know basically nothing so that's a that's a bit of a problem and also i've stopped feeling bad about just consuming what it is i feel like i have seen any number of shows a number of times and i will pretty much always just sit down and have bob's burgers on i could be watching other stuff but that is something that is easy and i can watch 22 minutes of it and feel sated and move on to something else or i can put it on and set a timer on my tv and just fall asleep to it so yeah (laughs) you know my my recent spate of anxiety around this what i've been trying to do is consume a new thing every day yeah so it doesn't have to be like a big thing. It's not like I'm watching a new movie I haven't seen every day. Right. But at the end of the day, I want to watch or consume something I have not consumed before. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that, you know, be it a chapter of a book or whatever. And that's been doing me all right, but it's not, I'm not making a dent in yeah. the infinite pile. Yeah. Let's think about the infinite. You can't dent it. Yeah, you can't dent it. Undentable infinite. <laughs> and it's, and it's fine. I've just come to peace with it. I, I had to change myself because I couldn't change it. Yeah. Um, let's see here. Kill Hamster writes, this is a life question for Gary. I also live in Portland. Uh, I moved back here about a year ago after living abroad for quite some time. Overseas, I had a group of musician friends I worked uh, and jammed with pretty regularly, uh, and I really missed that. I know you're in a band and probably have musician pals here. Are there any good groups to join or meetups to be looking for uh, uh, to fall in with folks who need production, mixing, mastering, uh, and synthesizer expertise? Uh, I'd love to meet some folks and get back into working with others, but I've been kind of a hermit since I moved back to the States. Uh, I'm, I don't 
have a good answer for this. I wish I did. Mm -hmm. Uh, I am not, uh, even back in when I've ever been part of a scene, like I don't know Portland musicians in a general sense. Yeah. Uh, I, what I did was I took out a Craigslist ad, Mm -hmm. uh, looking for a band and then met Andrew who plays guitar in our band. And then we uh, took out another ad and met Brian who plays drums. Uh, and we know, I know a couple different musicians, mostly because, uh, ones who I had dated, Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and then, uh, that's really it. Yeah. So I, I, I don't know the scene. I just wanted to find a collaborator, not a, a not a, a crew. Um, so I, I don't have, I don't have a good answer for you, sadly. Mm-hmm. Um, I wish that I did. Yeah. So just trying to find an individual person might be a pathway to meeting more people. Yeah. So like, for example, Brian, who plays drums in our band, he knows a lot of bands. Mm-hmm. He's, he's a Portland lifer. He knows a lot of, a lot of folk. So like, if I were interested in that, I could be introduced via, mm-hmm. via him. Um, it's not a drive that I have specifically. I just want to collaborate with a small group of people. Right. Um, so I'd recommend, uh, just trying to find an individual to work with, find yourself a, uh, a band buddy mm-hmm. and then kind of go from there is my only advice. Uh, Portland is frustrating about it. I've told this anecdote before. It sounds fake. But when I put out uh, my advertisement, I was looking through Craigslist for band things. I just wanted to write songs. And everything was like pirate rap band seeks theremin player. <laughs> who also can do backup vocals. Like it was very parody. Of that was literally like a real thing I found. And I was just like, this this is a fucking cartoon city. Uh, <laughs> this is fucking Toontown. This is stupid. Why are all these novelty bands? Uh, here, but I looked long enough and I found real bands and there are real bands out there. They're just not advertising on Craigslist because they, everyone knows somebody who can play guitar. Not everybody knows a pirate theremin player, you know, (laughs) it's the modern day unicorn. Yeah. Yeah. We're just hunting for a pirate theremin player for our our thruple slash band. (laughs) You know, that's what every polycule is missing. (laughs) Yeah. Our power trio. Yeah. Oh, that's fucking good. Yeah, it was funny. <laughs> Very funny. Do you want to move on to media questions? Yeah, let's we'll do probably it. get clo- closing in on when it's probably time to start. Yes. Yeah. We have kind of a weird amount of time to fill today, but. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, I think this is you. Oh, uh, Josiah says, uh, cyberpunk aside, do you have strong opinions about punk genres, biopunk, diesel punk, silk punk, solar punk, and all that would be more painful for your, if your co-host became an enthusiast of hope punk or steam punk. I mean, um, I don't, I don't fall in for it. Like I will like, you know, say, Oh, it's, this thing is pretty cool. And then somebody will say, Oh yeah, it's kind of blank punk. I'm like, oh, okay, cool. That is not like a, like an IMDB tag that I'm searching under, you know, to, 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 yeah. to, to, to find something, you know, talking about like, Oh, they yeah, love, I love, I love frost punk, which is nothing has nothing to do with punk really it's a very bad name and somebody say oh yeah that's real coal punk like me punk no you know like the the burning you know you're you're just like industrial but i don't know how that's different than steam punk i understand they're different energy sources (laughs) right yeah (laughs) like aesthetically i I don't uh don't know well but then there's also diesel punk and it 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 ends up getting down into like just uh subgenres in uh like the family tree of electronic music or metal or whatever and it's like sure you guys have fun with that i i do not want to play your taxonomy game yeah it's it's it does feel a little definition game to me as well and some of these things i don't even know what they are like i don't know what silk punk is (sighs) 
if I had to guess, it might have something to do with like, maybe it's like a specifically like Eastern medieval punk kind of thing. Maybe. Yeah. You know, I, uh, I don't, I don't know. I I think that I, I don't have strong opinions about these other than finding, um, steampunk fashion, like deeply embarrassing and that's, in real life. That's a big, uh, it's, it's also because that is like the most popular one. Uh, and it yes. is the one that people, you know, tend, tend to, tend to go in for. Yeah. Well, a lot of gears glued to hats. And I, I, I think that that's a pretty dorky look personally, mm-hmm. like, no, you'll go with God. If yes. that's the thing, but just for my own personal aesthetics, you wouldn't, uh, um, but be seeking yeah. it out. I, I no, I wouldn't dress as it, but like, I love Arcanum and Arcanum is a steampunk game. Mm-hmm. Like there's tons of steampunk things I like. I think all this stuff, um, yeah. the book called the wind up girl, which is biopunk, mm-hmm. uh, that I like a lot. Um, there, there's a, all this stuff is fine to yeah. me, but I don't, I, I'm not a fan of a genre as such, but in terms of the second bit, it would be extremely painful for me if you got real into hope punk. I just learned what hope punk was preparing for this question and got powerfully annoyed. It, it sounds like the no bummers, yeah. uh, no bad days, no bad vibes, uh, but for fiction. Mm-hmm. And that sounds like it sucks. That that one specifically uh, seems to be about like a personality or a disposition as, as opposed to, as opposed to an aesthetic. And I yes. think that that, that has much more, much more interpersonal implications. Let's say like, you know, if I, if I just said, ah, I don't want to, I don't want to like cover this you know, game or yeah. this movie. Just, it's just, it's just it's too, too, it's too it's negative. Punk enough. Yeah. It's like, mm. yeah. Have you heard the good news about media? <laughs> Drama happens when bad things happen. Yeah. Like <laughs> characters are put through tests and yeah. that's what makes interesting shit happen. Yeah. Uh, you the, know, the, the like, only, <laughs> There's a, there's a group of people out there who do just want to watch, like, just want to read stories about like, you know, mutual aid mm-hmm. and overcoming adversity. And I, I kind of get it, yep. uh, but it's just not where my heart goes. Mm-hmm. Like I don't, uh, things like that when I watch something or read something and it's very hopeful, mm-hmm. uh, I, I don't think of myself as a grim, dark person. Mm-hmm. It still come it comes off as naive to me. Yeah. And that's just my honest gut reaction. I, I, I feel really weird about that in fiction, uh, is, uh, is, is the thing I, I will absolutely read about like, Oh, the women's revolution in Rojava. Right. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. Great. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Like, like an actual turtle got its head stuck in a stewed tomato. (laughs) Like it's, it's it's obviously very, you know, it's uplifting. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Uh, And in in fiction, it gets a little bit weird. Uh, I have a a co-host who is an enthusiast of steampunk, David on the level. He likes steampunk and has done like cosplay stuff with it. You know, he's into it. It's a fun hobby and he's met lots of friends. Um, the only way that like somebody that I know being like super into steampunk would being, would, would be a problem is if they were like all about, you know, like a colonialism was good, uh, ethos with it. Like, oh, we should really just go back to an age when a, when, 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 when a man from Britain could solve all the world's problems by going there and taking resources, you know? Yep. (laughs) Yeah. And there probably is, you know, there are more creatures. Yeah, like there, there probably is somebody like that out there. Mm-hmm. Uh, my, my my girlfriend is much more steampunk appreciative than I am, mm-hmm. uh, and it's fine because it doesn't. It's not a personality thing yeah. to me, and I'm also not trashing David just because it's not my you know, no. fashion choice. You like, made it clear, yeah. you know. And also, David probably thinks what I wear 
looks dorky and that's fine because <laughs> yeah. I don't understand what fashion is and I dress like an idiot. <laughs> I trade these clothes with a hobo. Um, <laughs> just, uh, yeah, I don't, I don't, don't do that really. Mm-hmm. So, but yeah, uh, out of all those things, the only thing that seems annoying to me is hope punk. Yeah. Um, that makes me see red. And uh, I looked up what silk punk is and an author, or it's a, there's like an essay by the uh, the person who coined the term and a writer named Ken Liu. Uh, it's, you know, it's not very long, but uh, it just uh, like one of the first paragraphs says, no, it's not Asian flavored steampunk. No, it's not Asian oh. influenced fantasy. No, it's not. Um, it is a very specific, yeah. Uh, and like it powered trains. <laughs> <laughs> um, it? like it was, it was specifically, uh, descriptive of like one particular book that he, uh, that he wrote okay. and other people started using it. And I would say maybe, uh, that, that, that's not yours anymore, but also, yeah. 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 And also maybe everything doesn't need to be categorized. Yep. Like this. I think it is weird to be a fan of one of these things a little bit to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, like I'm a fan of horror. Like I, this is, this is a very, it feels like a narrow categorization yes. to be a fan of like just being like, I love diesel punk. Mm-hmm. And what that, what that is saying is like an aesthetic that you like, but that's a, it's a pretty narrow aesthetic. And you like stories about machines powered by diesel fuel, mm-hmm. you know, that are kind of fantasy esque. Yeah. Like it, just, it feels very narrow to me. They're, they're kind of subcategories that are a little too, too small. Yeah. So. Agreed. Yeah. Uh, this is you. This is me. Um, James writes and says, hello, Gary and Cole. I recently finally listened to file underwater. The, uh, for the uninitiated uninitiated file underwater, uh, was duck feeds limited series in which Gary and Cole analyze every REM album. Uh, I really love the series and was wondering, have your thoughts on any of the albums changed since the shows came out in 2017? Uh, Gary was fairly middling on uh, Reveal back then, but in a recent podcast, I'm pretty sure he mentioned uh, that it's the favorite R.E.M. album in his band. Uh, and Cole is your number one track still, Begin the Begin. Uh, thank you both for helping me rediscover a band, which I periodically remember is one of my all-time favorites. Uh, I think I was saying reckoning. Ah, okay. Uh, both my bandmates, if I told, said on a podcast that their favorite REM album was reveal, uh, I would be booted from the band. Mm-hmm. Uh, I am, I am more friendly on late REM than either of those two dudes. Yes. Uh, yeah, they, they, uh, they hate that stuff more than I do. REM basically died with new adventures with both of them and mm-hmm. that's fine. Yeah. Uh, not the wrong attitude, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, I have not reevaluated reveal. I've listened to REM since then. I also just every once in a while, I'm like, Oh yeah, REM. And mm-hmm. I just put it on and, and listen yeah. to a lot of the records. Mm-hmm. Uh, and reveal is still fine to me. Yeah. It stands up better to me, not doing it for the show where I have to like, just listen track by track. Yeah. Uh, and try to come up with something to say. If I just kind of like flip around, mm-hmm. it's a better record yes. for me, but I, I still put it firmly in the bottom half. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. yeah like accelerate it sunk for me a little bit um collapse Same. into now uh has risen uh kind of steadily mm-hmm. uh i think green has risen steadily for me like i find myself going back to that one quite a bit um mm-hmm. uh oh gosh uh fables of the reconstruction uh has risen for me but like these are generally it's not like tectonic the shifts that happen here it's just like i will go back and say like oh man this is like why didn't i talk about this or why didn't i like highlight this or like i give this too much benefit of the doubt you know so like mm-hmm. stuff that stuff that i liked doesn't like get switched into the i actually don't like this category yep 
Yeah. Yeah. In in a general sense, like my my sense of REM isn't like a constantly shifting no. thing. Like they're they're just quite solid. It's just one of those things about a band that hasn't released music in ten years. <laughs> yeah, they, they stay static. <laughs> like my opinions on the first postal service album haven't changed. <laughs> uh, haven't changed. The um the band's been looking for an REM song to do, and we were going to do uh I was hard pushing for Letter Never Sent. Okay. Uh, it turns out the backing vocals and harmonies in that are too hard. Okay. Uh, so we're going to try to figure out something different. It might be mm. something like second guessing, like something very easy. Yeah. But there, there's uh, we were looking at reckoning tracks. Nice. Uh, to cover. Yeah. I was at yeah. a, I was, I was at a home Depot uh, a couple of days ago and I heard pop song 89 uh, just over the, over the loudspeaker um, or the PA or whatever. Song is so good. Like what a, yep. what a perfect song. <laughs> yep. Song fucking slaps. It's a great band. Best rock band, best American rock band. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, so good. So good. Uh, uh, let's, li- uh, let's lightning round it. Lightning round. Uh, I will get a started here with Biff, who says, three-man human centipede situation. Uh, which position would you choose and why? P.S. I have called shotgun for the front. Well, <laughs> back, I guess. <laughs> Just... <laughs> No, no. <laughs> uh, just yeah. for less surgery. Yeah, you know, I think that's that's pretty good. Middle, mi- middle definitely gets the, uh, the 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 short end of the stick. It's the I sleeper think. hit. <laughs> it's, it's the dark horse candidate. It's for, it's, for it's, it's like Principal Skinner calling to get his uh ticket to his plane ticket to China changed, and yeah, he says, I, I, "I specifically requested a middle seat." <laughs> yeah. It's, not an aisle seat. Yeah. Sure the rest of the non-kosher meal. Yeah. It's, it's very similar. Uh, yeah. But, no, I'd, I'd, I'd choose back, but not for like, uh, you know, selfish reasons, but for conscientious reasons, I know what my, like, regardless of input, what my body does, uh, oh, for, for, for the output. Yeah. And I wouldn't want to, uh, uh, for, you know, inflict that on anybody. Yeah. I don't, yeah. I'm not, I, I would rather, I'd, I'd just be really guilty if somebody was uh, hooked up to my Play-Doh Nightmare Factory, you know? The, the real answer to this, and I don't think the movies deal with this, is uh, anyone in the middle or back would die from drowning in their own vomit pretty quick. Pretty quick, yeah. You would mm-hmm. aspirate it. Yeah. Uh, basically right away. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and uh, so whatever it is, it'd be a fairly short life. Yeah. Yeah. A couple of days at best. Uh, and then that'd be it for you. Yep. So, uh, but yeah, calling calling first position is a real uh, <laughs> move there. Uh, Maya asks... Uh, who is one group or artist of any sort, alive or dead, that you have a hankering for more content from? Hmm. Uh, that's a great. That's a great question because a lot of people who stopped making stuff, mm-hmm. um, I don't necessarily. So, like, I'm gigantic David Bowie fan. Mm-hmm. Uh, really happy with how David Bowie went out. Big REM fan. Really happy with how REM went out. You know, mm-hmm. uh, I'm. I'm going to say, and this is. Uh, I'm going to say Jay uh, Riotard. Okay. Uh, I don't know if that's how you pronounce it. He's juvenile, uh, but it is. Uh, he is a punk uh, kind of musician guy who died, uh, killed himself. Mm. Um, just as, and his records were getting like better and better. Like his most recent record before he uh, took his own life was great. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I really did feel like we lost some stuff. Yeah, when that happened. I don't necessarily have an answer for this. Like a lot of people. <laughs> it's difficult because I can't specifically name somebody who I'm like a huge fan of who was kind of cut down in their prime, you know, Mm -hmm. that absolutely happens. But like, 
you know, the, the, the vast majority are people who were, you know, they, they their work changed, right? And they weren't exactly yeah. at their at their peak when it happened. So, like, I wanted to say something like, oh, it'd be cool if we got a few more, for, a few more years of uh, Zitzlaw Beksinski uh, painting, mm-hmm. you know? But when he died, he wasn't really doing painting anymore. He was doing weird, like, Photoshop shit, you know? Yeah. Like, his, like his, his days of doing the gigantic... Um, you know, surrealist, like hyper detailed hellscape kind of things. You know, that was mostly like the, like the eighties and nineties was what was when he was doing those things. So I don't necessarily have an answer. I'm positive when we get done with this, I will think of something and shout, Oh shit. Um, I should have said blank, but, uh, even in the lead up to this, trying to, uh, come up with an answer, got nothing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I would shudder to think like I, and then also I change. Like if you had asked me this 20 years ago, I have been like, Oh, Nirvana. Oh yeah. Uh, and then, but now it's like, I don't really want to hear what kind of music Kurt Cobain would be making now. No, we've all seen Dave Grohl's wretched autobiography <laughs> cover. Uh, we, we all know what kind of guy he turned into, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. So no, thanks. Yeah. Um, let's see. Is this me? I believe it's this me. This is you. Yeah. Holland yeah. says or asks if you could have any ring from the soul series in real life, relevant powers or buffs included, uh, which would you choose? This is such a fun question. Cause my, my initial answer was ring of favor and protection. Mm-hmm. But and you then I was take like, it off. what do I care if I like have more poise or, you know, <laughs> or more carry weight? Uh, so my actual answer is the cat ring. Oh Yeah. Okay. Um, you know, not taking fall damage in a general sense is only going to become more relevant as right. I start tripping and like, you know, shattering my hip and stuff as I get older. Yeah. Uh, and as a stunt, being able to jump off buildings and stuff, pretty cool. Yeah. It'd make you, I mean, paired with the chloranthy ring, it would make you real good at parkour. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, chloranthy ring, I think would be pretty nice, honestly, you know. Get I less do hate winded. Being winded. Yeah, like it, it would be cool not to get winded. Yeah, I would. I would. Uh, I would. I would say that. You know, Havel's oh, ring, uh, whatever. Uh, ring of sacrifice as well. But like, you, you can't die. It, <laughs> well, no. Well, all you get the, a bonus all, life. All that that said. Well, okay. So, like, where would you respawn? Would it be the last time you sat down at a bonfire in the womb? <laughs> <laughs> just, just uh, me crawling my way out of my mom's skeleton. <laughs> I didn't want to get super dark there. I, I was terrified. I, I was gonna. <laughs> I was also like with your knowledge being trapped in a baby body. Yeah, I'm. I, I'm going to respect. I'm going to respectfully refuse to yes and you on that one. Um, if you, if you got to keep your knowledge and just got reborn, there's yeah. that Twitter question that was going around where it's like, would you rather, you know, restart your life with all of your knowledge or get like a million dollars? It's like, oh man, restarting my life with all my knowledge would be great. Yeah, uh, I know. I think you and I disagree about that, but yeah, I, uh, for me, that would be cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, that that would that would be my answer. Uh, it would be it would be chloranthy. It's boring, but uh, but applicable. Yeah. Uh, Mike asks, uh, "What is the most difficult game you think you could beat if the main character was replaced by you, with only your real world skill set?" <laughs> hmm. <laughs> if, with a strong supporting cast, like. I, I've definitely beat like Final Fantasy Tactics with Ramza not being a key part of it. Mm-hmm. Like if I'm just hanging out behind Orlando, true, like, true, I might be able to beat that. Just telling him what to do. Yeah, that still means you're going to get shot with a bunch of arrows. 
<laughs> oh, I guess that's true. Yeah, I can only take one arrow, basically. <laughs> if that it doesn't even have to be like a like a good hit. Like I could just get grazed. And, um, yeah, yeah, I just uh, well, that's infected. There's no matter. <laughs> well, you know, I guess then I could make a, Maybe a white a mages. Yeah, yeah. I uh, get raised. <laughs> I think it would, it would be something with a very strong support cast. Yes. Yeah, something with a strong support cast is good. And most games are uh, are uh, kind of one man band kind of kind of deals. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know, like like management sim. I'd probably, I don't know, I don't know. Anything anything feels like bragging, so I don't I don't necessarily yeah. know that I want to do that. If, like a management sim, you're kind of already just playing yourself. Yes. In it, you know, which makes it a little bit tricky. Yeah. But when you think of something like Frostpunk, like you are the leader of that community. Mm-hmm. So you would have to not just like manage it, but you would have to like go home and sleep in the cold and like yeah, yeah. deal you, with all that stuff. Like it, you'd actually be have feet on the ground and that would be a real problem. Yeah. You would be living through the consequences of your decisions, which I don't yeah. know, might affect the way that you really uh, play things. Yeah. Yeah. Like a lot of people, you know, would die rather than just little numbers. Mm hmm. You know, that would probably inf- impact your decision-making a lot. Yeah. yeah. It's a hard it's a question. question. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Gabriel asks, uh, what do you guys think of pork rinds? Uh, I ain't get them. Yeah. They're good. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have above my fridge sitting a bag of, so there's a company called Dots, not to buzz market, that makes pretzels that I really like. Mm-hmm. And they did pork rinds as well. And I haven't opened it yet, but I'm very curious to see what their take is on the humble rind. Mm. Um, but yeah, I like, I like a pork rind. I don't eat them a lot. And when you get a chance and you can get chicharrones like you can get fresh pork rinds, yeah. they're a million, like they're so goddamn good. It's like mm. one of the best snacks in the world. Mm-hmm. Uh, just regular pork rinds are, are merely like pretty good. Yeah. I a few pork yeah. rinds. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, 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 it wouldn't be the first thing I would grab, but also I will not turn my nose up at them. Um, yeah. Wouldn't yeah. be the last thing I grab. Yeah. Uh, let's see here. Tom writes, which is scarier, being attacked while you're naked or being attacked by someone who is naked? Great question. Oh, being attacked while, while you're naked. I mean, that's what makes uh, Eastern Promises uh, one of the uh, mm. great David Cronenberg films. Yeah. It So I, I, w- I thought about this a lot. <laughs> I, think, I think about I think you're right, but for a different reason. OK. Um, and that is that if I am attacked while I am naked, I am in my home. And that automatically adds a layer of fear to it. Okay. If I'm attacked by somebody naked, I could be anywhere. Okay. And I could call for help or I could run or nobody has like violated my sanctum. Yes. You know, so it's more the context that surrounds it that makes that answer for me. Mm -hmm. It's not the fact that I'm nude. Like it's more that I'm being attacked and where. Yeah. The, 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 the broader context around it. I think that the, um, being attacked by somebody who is naked presents a strong in- initial shock. Like I think that mm-hmm. you would you would lose initiative on that no yes. matter where it happens. Yeah. But ultimately, you know, um I think that once you once you get your bearings, it is much easier, you know. Although if somebody's naked, there's not that much to grab onto. If somebody's wearing there a shirt. Is. Yeah. You grab their balls and you fucking squeeze right. and you win the fight. <laughs> like you rip. Like you, you bite into those things with your teeth and try to put a hole in them because it's life or death and you want to win. <laughs> you open them up like a fruit roll up. <laughs> like, okay. All right. It's, it's, it actually makes it easier. Yeah. Like in a life or death situation, like if anyone were actually to attack me trying to kill me, mm-hmm. 
I would do unmentionable things to their balls and not stop until they couldn't move anymore. Yeah. Because they got to go. Yeah. Like, if someone yeah. wasn't wearing pants, you know what they don't have access to? The most yeah, winning pocket. strategy, pocket sand. Yeah, pocket sand or <laughs> your pocket gun. Or putting your hand <laughs> in your pocket, whistling and walking away. Yeah. All viable strategies. We're <laughs> pulling out the inside of your pockets and making a sad face. <laughs> Keeping a little fly in there so you have that fun yeah. visual gag of like, oh, I got yeah. no money. <laughs> yeah, and they'd be like, oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead and beat me up. <laughs> <laughs> oh man uh, cinder elf uh, asks uh gary you probably already decided upon this but can you please have cole on as a guest when and if you cover moon Knight and days of future cast i've not decided that but sure yeah uh, i'd be happy we, to if you if you end up watching it i don't know if you have disney plus i do um yeah uh if you end up watching it me and jeremy typically do just like a half hour like do a one-off mm-hmm. on the marvel shows yeah. And if you watch it, no reason why not. No, it's the only Marvel thing I intend to watch of the currently yeah. announced slate uh, because of yeah. uh, uh, Moorhead and Benson. So yeah. s- sign, sign me up. Yeah, why not? Yep. Yeah. Easy enough. As long as the scheduling mm-hmm. works out and I can be flexible. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, and finally, in the lightning round here, we have King of Sushi. Uh, who says, in light of Godspeed, you Black Emperor, uh, their debut album, All Lights Fucked on the Harry Amp Drooling, being found and subsequently put up on the band's official Bandcamp band page, uh, what currently lost media do you hope will surface someday, uh, reasonably or otherwise? Uh, that is a great question, and it's a question that I sadly have no answer because it happened. Yep. <laughs> uh, there was a lost Bowie album called Toy mm. that came out that I really wanted to hear and it came out uh, and it's mostly real weird. Mm. Like it's not bad or anything, but there's a, I understand why they shelved it. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, that was the, the, the one I had in my mind as far as like a lost album mm-hmm. goes. And then uh, 10 years ago, if you'd asked me that or 10 or, or 15 years ago, it would have been the Frank black solo album, uh, sunny mill Valley groove day, mm-hmm. which also came out and he did something I consider really baller, which is they recorded an album and he, uh, was like, Oh, this isn't really like a cohesive album. So instead of putting it out, he just burned it onto a bunch of CDs and handed it out to people who hung out after his shows. Oh, huh. Can you imagine how cool that would feel? Oh, extremely cool. Like, here's a studio album that nobody else has. <laughs> like it's like the, the, one of the most like great, you know, just like absolutely cool things I think a musician can do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just uh, like oh, you know, you know the, the, like don't feel comfortable releasing this, but you know, you would still enjoy this. This would make your day. Distribute it as you see as you see fit. Enjoy. Yeah, we don't care. Yeah, like I don't, I, I don't really care about this. Yeah. Um, yeah. So there are two answers for that, but they already came out. I don't know of any other <laughs> lost media really that I can think of. Yeah. Unless I'm, I'm forgetting something. Especially that I that that I really care about. You know, like yeah. uh, you know, if I was, uh, I, I don't know, like the uh, Godspeed the, their demo uh, that got put out probably would have been uh, up there. You know, just as far as like mm-hmm. the really uh, famous things that haven't come out uh, notably or you know been released or thought thought were lost. Uh, I could say something like, I don't know, tears of a clown. I don't really care. I'm not going to watch that fucking movie. I don't, yeah. I don't care about Jerry Lewis being a clown in the Holocaust. That sounds awful. No. Yeah. It sounds wretched. <laughs> yeah. And and there's also like a lot of this stuff, like again, 30 years ago, the answers to this would be different because it would be all things that, uh, didn't come to America. Yep. But now because of fan translations, like I can play rocket slime too, if I want to, mm-hmm. I, I got a, a, 
a flash cart to play retro game challenge too. Yeah. Uh, you know, like I, you just, I, I can get a hold of games because of, of fan community. Yeah. Stuff. I have played sweet home multiple times now and it owns. And that is thanks to the efforts of, uh, unpaid volunteers who did it because of their enthusiasm. And there's also things that never were finished. So like eventually it leaked, like Van Buren came out, mm -hmm. like the, the amount of Van Buren that was done, you can play. Uh, but that was never finished. Like, yep. you know, so I could say that, but it's, it's not lost because it, it's, they just cannibalized it for new Vegas. <clears throat> yeah. You know, I, the, the completed version of that, that would be my answer, mm -hmm. you know, but again, it's not really a thing. Doesn't so. exist. Yeah. But it is interesting. Like, I think it's very interesting. Uh, the, the, uh, the idea of a lost media. Yeah. Like lo lost albums or lost games or, or things like that, I think are really cool. Agreed. So, yeah. Let's move on to the topic. Let's do. Uh, Douglas uh, asked about Game of the Year discourse. Uh, what are your thoughts on Game of the Year discussions that roil the internet every year? This is influenced by your recent coverage of Returnal on Bombfireside Chat. Are there any particular media outlets, channels, people you listen to more than others? And I'm guessing this is the case. Do you ignore the discussion entirely? Uh, in previous years, have there been standouts that you remember? Has it ever helped you decide to try a game out? I've never really liked any super giant games before, so I ignored Hades when it came out, but decided to give it a try when it got Game of the Year buzz. Same situation as Returnal. I would not have even tried it uh, had it not received end of year the end of year buzz that it did. Really happy I played them both too, but personally, those are the only two where the discourse has made any difference. This could be expanded into the realm of video game critique in general. Who, what do you listen to uh, or read or engage with in this realm? Yeah, so uh, Game of the Year discourse specifically... But also those are uh, game of the year discourse generally, but also those specifics uh, being put on there. Uh, I do not uh, have really any use for like a publication coming out and saying this right here is our game of the year. This is the best thing that came out and we agree on this and it is going to be here. Uh, I think that is uh, useless. <laughs> mm -hmm. And I think that that is selecting for uh, things that I don't generally uh, prioritize. Could be fine games, you know, good yeah. stuff to play, um, you know, things like that. But I am just not a fan of ranked lists in general when it comes to talking about media. Um, I'm more like in a like in a vague like top, you know, here's like a top 10, uh, but not uh, an ordered list. Give me that bullet point list, baby. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, for me, I don't pay attention to this because more because I don't think about a year as like a really meaningful unit of time right. for games. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, again, this comes up all the time. I don't understand a, a feeling of like, Oh, there's nothing I could play. Nothing's coming out. What do I play? <laughs> right. Like that to me feels very myopic. Like you're only playing the big things that, uh, that come out. Um, you know, in any given, there's always things from anywhere from like, uh, the last year to the last 10 years that I'm kind of interested in that I didn't get a chance to play. Mm -hmm. Uh, so it can be kind of a novelty to think this is the best thing I played this year, but it's not very rarely is it, do I, what I consider it the best thing that came out that year, mm -hmm. you know? Uh, and that to me isn't a really meaningful distinction because I don't, don't really truck with years as, as that. Yeah. 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 And also, I mean, this is pretty obvious. I feel like we've said this quite a bit, uh, but uh, you know, the best thing that I have played in a given year is almost never a game that came out uh, during that year. Yeah. 
you know, because yeah. it takes a while to get around to stuff or we didn't get around to it for a show. And that's how I play the mass, the, the, the vast majority of the things that I, that, that, that I play. Right. Yeah. Yep. Same, you know, and things that would, you know, that would be my favorite uh, thing of that year or the year they came out. Like a lot of times I didn't play them until way, 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 way later. Mm-hmm. Um, in terms of like uh, consuming, you know, in a general sense for game of the year stuff, like I'm with you where I just want a bullet pointed list. Yeah. And I will glance it mostly to look and kind of just have a general idea. Yeah. Of what the buzz is, but it's not very influential to me. No. Um, you know, and even and a lot of times when I have played the thing, it will seem nuts. Like the idea that Hades was the best game that, that came out that year is nuts to me. Mm-hmm. And I liked Hades. Yes. I thought it was a good game. It just it lacked ambition. Yeah. Uh, you know, it felt very standard. Um, it was all right, mm-hmm. pretty good game. But it, it wasn't, uh, I thought that was really overblown, Yeah, you know, as, as a thing. So a lot of times, uh, not only is it a thing where I don't want the long flowery thing, I just want a list of the things, a list of the games. It doesn't have very much effect on me. I tend not to really agree with it when I, when I have played them. Same thing with Returnal. Like Returnal wouldn't be my game of the year, obviously. Right. Uh, you know, and then like something like Grime, which might be my, my game of last year, mm-hmm. uh, ended up on anybody's list. No, I was actually pissed off. Like that was one of the few cases where I was looking at these lists, seeing if that, if that squeaked on. And I was like, are you like, how did this fall into a blind spot? <laughs> yeah. Nobody played like, it. Yeah. You know? Very bizarre. Huh. Uh, in terms of games, criticism in general, like outside of game of the year discourse, mm-hmm. uh, do you have things that you look for or people who you follow? Mm-hmm. Like, do you, is that something that you, you get, or is that something that you have, uh, unplugged from? Uh, I'm, I am not as plugged into it as I, as I, as I used to be. There are a handful of people that I just kind of follow on Twitter and, you know, see, see when stuff comes out from them or if it bubbles up as, uh, as people talk about it. You know, but like that ends up being, you know, a lot of the a lot of the stuff that you could pretty much to discern anyway. Usually, like how I find out about the rarest thing, or you know, how I find out about like the weird things is just by following um, either like those discount, uh, like the game deals kind of things, mm-hmm. uh, and just watching what comes by and seeing what what's interesting, or that Steam alerts, the six second Steam trailer. Yeah, uh, account. Great... Yeah, I mean, ninety nine point nine percent of that is garbage, <laughs> but yeah. sometimes there's like real cool stuff there. You know, what what's interesting is that this is something I also used to do. Do that. Yeah. You know, I I read one up really religiously mm-hmm. when it was still a website. That was my my gaming website of choice, uh, and gaming podcasts of choice. Yes. And uh, listen to those podcasts and learn about things from that. Mm-hmm. Um. And then uh, now, though, and this might be just being a content creator, it's more community space yeah. stuff, uh, both in terms of the Slack and Twitter. Mm-hmm. So I learn about games now because uh, I see them on my timeline mm-hmm. or I see people talking about them in the Slack. Yes. Uh, it's very rare that I go to do a website. Like I still read Will's game reviews, which I think are really good mm-hmm. at the EV Club. Uh, but every time I actually go to an IGN or a Polygon or a Kotaku, a lot of times I'm just annoyed and, yep. I, and I hate that for culture reasons, right? Mm-hmm. Like being against those websites is a culture war thing that the wrong side of, but the truth is I find a lot of those articles really annoying. Yes. You know, not, uh, they're not destroying gaming. They're not dishonoring me as a gamer. Mm-hmm. None of that stuff. That alarmist shit. I just think that they're annoying. Yeah. written things. Mm-hmm. And so I used to, and I kind of fell out of love with the idea of 
keeping up with that kind of that specific flavor of critical consensus. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that, that, that specific flavor is pretty, is pretty weird. Like I will read a, uh, so like, like Polygon does a fifth, like the 50 best games of a given year, uh, c- yeah. kind of deal. But that is almost always to see if there are any, if there are any surprises, like something that ranked up high that I hadn't heard about or had written off. Uh, so I want to mm-hmm. see like their ras- rationalization for why they, um, um, you know, for why they put that there, but also to find stuff that I just didn't hear about, you know, like to, at 50 games, you're going to get a lot of stuff that isn't in the mainstream. They still miss grime. Uh, yeah, <laughs> but poor grime. Uh, poor grime just getting beat up on all the time here. Yeah. 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 Uh, but, um, uh, but yeah, I'll do that. Uh, when you mentioned, uh, going for, uh, you know, reading Will, Will's game reviews, obviously not only is he a, is he a friend and a, uh, and a, and a creative peer, let's say here on the network, mm-hmm. um, uh, he does a really, really good work, you know? So I will always seek out, uh, what he has done, but I like, um, what AV club does and uh, giant bomb does these as well, which is personal game of the year, um, kind of uh spotlights that people do and that is a great way you know to like okay i trust this person i like you know i I like their opinions this is the this is not like the entire site getting together and putting a big bunch of lists together and deciding what's going to get us the most clicks if we put it at number one you know (laughs) cynically right uh this is individuals saying like i'm going to make my own criteria and i'm going to highlight things that really stuck out to me so like uh obviously av club uh, I like reading Will's list there, but like Giant Bombs, like Scott Benson did, uh, like top ten games of uh, the year for a good number of a uh, good number of years. Uh, Void Burger, who is a uh, uh, content creator, uh, horror game YouTuber, who I have enjoyed. Um, she also uh, recently started doing uh, one of these this uh, she's this doing past Giant year. Bomb. Yeah, she's doing Giant Bomb. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but 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 she has uh, has some up there, and that has kind of made me consider. Uh, some of the stuff mm-hmm. that she's uh that, that 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 she's featured, yeah. So I like those. Per- I like those personal lists. I don't like that the lists are uh, ranked in some cases because I am philosophically They're opposed to that. Yeah, in some and, cases, and not yeah. only and that's why the, I I like the giant bomb ones as well, despite mm-hmm. not being a giant bomb person. Yeah, because they get interesting people, and the format is really free. Yes. Yeah. You know, like it doesn't have to be this year, and it doesn't have to be a ranked list. Mm-hmm. You know. Uh, yeah, agree, agreed on that. Uh, I also think this is one of those things where the more you learn about the, how the video, like how video game criticism and reviews are done, mm-hmm. uh, the more shine that gets taken off the apple of this. So when you look at like a polygon top 50 list, something that I know from being friends with games journalists, mm-hmm. uh, is that a lot of times they're writing on deadlines. Yep. Um, and that's why you end up with things where it's like, oh, this per- this game leaves a really good first impression. It got a really, really good review, but the reviewer, you know, probably did not complete it or look at it holistically, or they were doing a thousand other things. Mm-hmm. You read horror stories of people who get assigned a review at the last minute, yep. uh, and they have to like cram jam a game in, in six hours or whatever mm-hmm. and get the review on the table. Um, that is not a good foundation for evaluating the quality of something it's not invalid Mm -hmm. you know i'm not saying you have to beat the game to you know that that's fake but you do have to have some time to really engage with it yeah those aren't conditions that are going to make a good product that i think will be uh useful in the long run uh for making decisions personally on what what to play and what not to play yes uh so it's one of those things where uh game of the year 
discourse and fatigue kind of comes hand in hand with disillusionment with games reviews uh, and kind of the the journalism games journalism as a as a general thing. Uh, and we say journalism, I don't mean like Patrick Klepek talking about labor rights abuses, which is no, great. yeah, like non journalism, like criticism, yeah, you know, uh, games criticism. And mm-hmm. this is also aside from all my favorite games critics mm-hmm. who don't do games of the year things because they're not contemporaneous. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, they they are like us. They look at games uh, just that they they're interested in or want to talk about. They don't try to keep up with what's going on. So yeah. you, you know, you're, you're Noah's Caldwell Gervases and such. Yeah. Who you know, like a game of the year list from him would not make any sense because he just goes really deep on things regardless of how old they are. Mm-hmm. That is much more valuable to me. Yeah. Like a game of the year is is necessarily transient the same way that modern games review websites are necessarily transient because they're news related. Mm-hmm. Uh, and anything that is focused on news is always going to just be like, you know, writing your name in the sand. Yeah. Personally, for me, like, you know, I, the, the, there's a pressure, right, they, they, that you feel sometimes as a content creator to, like, have an opinion out there, you know, just like, mm-hmm. okay, I just I that this is a conversation I want to throw into it. Like, on the level, we'll do, like, a game of the year kind of thing, and that almost always is, like, never picking, like, a one you know, we don't like put badges on JPEGs of the individual games and say this gets the this gets the Ben Merkel guarantee of quality. Yeah, <laughs> it's, yeah. it's it's more like, oh, like this is like the handful of games that like might qualify for this that like as we've talked about these things or, you know, maybe like I've made oblique references to like covering it on another on another show. Um, say like, yeah, like if, if you are looking for something from this year that like I would say, yeah, you like you really should play that. Uh, that this mm-hmm. that this would be the one um and for like the show like on twitter I, for the past couple of years like i've gone back and looked at all of the episodes we've done in a particular year um for waff say and like just did a little thread with links to like oh i like this episode this game was interesting to talk about this game was really fun to play you know this game was bad and we had fun dunking on it that's more looking back at a year of the shows but also you yeah. know that is that, that that is kind of a proxy for a game of the year as well because again this is the reason that i play most of the games is to cover on this show yeah i i play i play a handful of games not for the show mm-hmm. through the year you know, like 10. Yes. You know, maybe, maybe a little bit more, but like 10 is probably yeah. about how many. So it's, it's pretty rare. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and we, we did, uh, for Wolf, we did 36 games last year. Yes. You know, so it's, uh, uh, it's, it's a smaller amount. Mm-hmm. So in general, I think it's a little bit silly, even though, you know, like I said, it's not something I trust. I do kind of look forward to it as having, um, shitty magazine reading. Yeah. You know, like when game of the year stuff starts bubbling up, I will always read those bullet pointed lists, even when I don't put a lot of stock in them, <laughs> because you got to read something like I was complaining <laughs> about, you know, Kotaku earlier. I read Kotaku because it's one click away from the AV club, right. which I read. I get powerfully annoyed by a lot of the stuff that they write. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, not because they're progressive, but right. because I think that, you know, because it's a magazine content mill. Mm-hmm. It's it's what video game websites are. Got to put out content. So you get a lot of like... <laughs> I can't stop putting up posters in Animal Crossing, dot, dot, dot. And I love it. <laughs> like, horseshit. That is just like, this is horseshit. This is vapid garbage. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's like the worst thing. Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, but I still still look at it because, again, got to look at something and maybe I have a weird amount of time to kill. 
Yeah. You know, so you Game know. of the Year time is great for that because I just go to the giant bomb and browse the uh, all the different guest Game of the Year things. Like, oh, Bakun, that funny guy on Twitter. Yeah. Uh, what games does, does do they like? Mm-hmm. Cool. You know, that's that, that'll pass the time. That gets me a little closer to lunchtime or when I'm recording <laughs> or band practice or game night or whatever I'm arbitrarily killing a weird amount of time for. Yeah. Yeah. Like that relationship with those big uh, with those big publication sites, you know, like <laughs> when I want to see if uh, we've bombed anybody recently, you know, I mm-hmm. will go just just a couple of times a day. I will check the CNN front page, not because I think CNN is a good outlet, but they update pretty quickly. And generally they like that is just a way at, you know, at a glance to see if something has happened. Same thing with yeah. Destructoid, same thing with Polygon, same thing with Kotaku. Sometimes you just fire that up to like get a get, get a pulse check that isn't going on Twitter and being pulled into the hell vortex, right? Yep. Yeah. Yep, yep, yep. And Twitter also functions as kind of just uh, ambient awareness of a lot of this stuff. Too. Yeah, yeah. You know, it is a hell vortex, but it, that's the service it provides in exchange for your soul. <laughs> <laughs> that's the deal with the devil that we made yep uh, yeah so hopefully that that answers why and nobody's ever asked this but i i've read into this uh implying the question like why we don't do it because every other most big gaming things do it mm-hmm. do oh. a game of the year and i've thought about it before as like an easy episode for the holidays mm-hmm. you know uh but yeah it's yeah. just not a, uh, you know, we, we do that kind of stuff with specific Dark Souls things sometimes. Yes. Like bosses and lands and things like that. But mm-hmm. in, and we went through and went through all the old stuff we had done, yeah. but, uh, actually doing a game of the year is something we're not equipped to because we don't play enough games. Yeah. And see, I think that's good and fine. See the aforementioned, uh, uh, the aforementioned, you know, we played 36 games, then accounted for the majority of what we played in the past years yeah. in the past year which like weirdly sounds like a low number but like that's a game it's almost not. every week it's, <laughs> yeah it's it's three a month yeah it's pretty good it's pretty and that's on top of anything we played just for ourselves yes you know? yeah it might be it might be fun to try but it definitely wouldn't be uh it definitely wouldn't be like a current games list kind of deal no. you know wouldn't be traditional in any sense uh thank you douglas for the topic suggestion and thank you everybody for asking and uh, asking questions mm-hmm. for next month if you end up having uh any questions keep an eye on that patreon post uh, yeah. patrons can ask us questions and suggest topics we have a big pile of topics uh, we're behind on so we'll do a roundup of those at some point yep. uh, when the schedule ends up making sense we're clearing space for elden ring right now so no guarantee as to when that'll happen but yeah. please don't be hurt if your topic has not been chosen uh we will get to just about everything um let us read your responses to february's games let's do it right now starting with uh responses to professor layton in the curious village william writes via contact saying i played the original layton trilogy when they came out and i appreciated the excuse to revisit i love a good puzzle and these games always have a nice variety even if that means i'm bound to run into some really frustrating ones the good news is that uh that now i have now that i have a stable internet connection i can look up the answers if i want to my favorite part of the series as a whole though might just be how totally bizarre the stories get without a doubt the solutions uh, to the mystery are an order of magnitude more bizarre than the premise uh and it takes a man who had his car custom made to fit his ridiculous hat to solve them uh and uh after playing the game for a bit i found myself uh, listening to the soundtrack while i worked and just generally enjoying the overall aesthetic of the games yeah uh, i mean agreed mm-hmm. like it, it go down easy and they're fun 
It's fun to complete a puzzle book. Yeah. And the plots are fun. I started up like the I, uh, Diabolical Box on uh, on uh, iPad shortly after that episode mm-hmm. came out and just kind of just been gnawing at the edges of it. It's neat. Yeah. it's a, That's the other one I played. I've only played the first two mm-hmm. um, and, and liked it. Yeah. Uh, like I kind of have those in the big retirement pile of like whenever I'm in the mood for uh, a kid's book of junior jumbles, there it is. Mm-hmm. And I can, I can watch kind of a charming uh, and incredibly goofy story along with it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I also really do like the difference of having a stable internet connection and being able to cheat uh, because that's good. I love Getting it. past something that is annoying is good. Agreed. Uh, Andrew says via contact, I did most of the latent puzzles other than the ones that required spatial reasoning and geometry, my kryptonite and Achilles heel respectively. There was great. And the story was unexpected. At least Tintin meets near automata. Uh, one thing Waff has made me appreciate though, is that a game is mainly about what you spend most of your time doing. And by that standard, professor Layton is a game about tapping every single pixel on every screen to find, try to find coins, charms, random puzzles. I don't think I would have enjoyed it too much on its own as a thing, but as a thing you do while you rewatch a sitcom in the background, not bad. Agreed. Uh, yeah. I, I also think that professor Layton has, uh, a few too many tasky things. Mm-hmm. And I would include in that um, just random tapping all of the backtracking yeah. you have to do and wandering around as being pretty non-additive. Yeah. Like, it, it's fine. It's just a task to put some space between the puzzles. It, it's a spacer element in, like, web design. <laughs> yeah. Know? And that has pretty limited value. Yeah. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. I uh, I wish there was a mode, like, uh, similar to the uh, the no-talking speedrun mode in Axiom Verge. Oh, yeah. There was just a here's all the puzzles mode in Layton. Mm-hmm. Can you imagine? That'd be great. I would, I would play all of them. <laughs> like, I want to know the plots, but I just want to watch a cutscene thing on, on yeah. line. I don't want to walk around and deal with the pacing and everything. Yeah. Like, give me, like, a short little motion comic summary, like, in between, like, batches of them. But, like... Yes. Yeah. So Big I can batches. see the batch it stuffs, but so I don't have to go through the... Uh, so I don't have to go through the tedium of interacting with the it. Walking. Yeah. I, the tedium of walking. Uh, it, it's, it's real, man. Yeah. No, I get it. It's just, the tedium of walking is powerful. <laughs> um, I, I like Andrew's last point about like it being a perfect thing to play while watching a sitcom in the background. Uh, it's always nice to acknowledge that different games have different purposes, you know? Yeah. Or can serve different purposes. It's, 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 and it is very good at that. Yeah. For sure. Uh, let's see. We'll pick up here. Moving on to Warhammer Dark Omen. Uh, Matt writes, I have neither played nor ever heard of Warhammer Dark Omen. Good start. Uh, <laughs> however, <laughs> I wanted to share a sweet story that happened recently. I was visiting, visiting my mom around Christmas time, and she told me uh, she found something while cleaning the basement. She brings out this big plastic briefcase that had my old Warhammer minis in them from when I was like 12 or so. It was a nice trip down memory lane looking at my 20-year-old handiwork. A few weeks later, uh, the place I live announced another COVID shutdown. I was trying to figure out something to do to help keep me occupied, and I found there was a games workshop not that far from where I lived. I picked up a few new minis, assembled and painted them, and now they sit on my desk. It's fun to have a little creative hobby and end up with some little guys I get to play with during boring work meetings. It's always good to have little guys. 
Dude, I, I cannot stress how much I love having little guys around. <laughs> like, I've got a little Gengar. I've got a little uh, Germ Warfare yep. from Night in the Woods. Oh, my gosh. Yep, yep. Yeah. <laughs> got a bunch of little little guys. Levi painted me a really good Beholder once for Christmas. <laughs> I got a little guy there. Um, yeah, it's it's good shit. Uh, I love having a bunch of little guys around. <laughs> just, um, just, you know, just I, a little guy going around. Yeah. Yeah, just little guys. It's it, unbelievable. <laughs> like, it's just one of the greatest blessings on this planet. Um, I have long thought, uh, I went to a gaming store, uh, me and my girlfriend went and visited this dying mall near okay. my house because we wanted to find a photo booth because we were romantic. And, uh, I went into a gaming store, Gambit's gaming store that is not officially licensed, but seems very much Gambit the mutant themed. Mm-hmm. Uh, sells like magic cards and, and Warhammer and then like plushes from Japan. Okay. And we're looking around there and I was like, man, if I ever have a house or have access to like steady living mm-hmm. and have a basement, I bet you I get into minis. Probably. I was like eyeballing these things and I was like, that's fucking rad. Look at this necromancer's <laughs> fortress that, that comes with Warhammer. Like this mm-hmm. is the coolest, like a little guy, but a little place for them to live. Oh man. Can you imagine? I mean, a little guy, a little place to graduate to little places. Yes. Shit. Yes. And then eventually little worlds, mm. little universes. And then you like, can just never it, leave. Yeah. I just, I welcome to Marwin. <laughs> you can check out anytime and you can never leave. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I, I, uh, I was, I was way into that. And I, whenever Levi pours out, pulls out the minis for game night, uh-huh. uh, it's just like the cool, like I, you know, <sighs> clap, like I just saw Gene Parmesan, like, just like yes, <laughs> look at this little guy. Ah, man. So I don't good. know. I, I don't have time for a new hobby, but like that, that, that does sound really appealing. I have no interest Same. in like making an army or whatever, but like finding a cool wizard and uh, yes. panning him so it looks cool. I, I mean, there's an appeal to that for sure. You know, kind of oh, like kind of like how I put together that uh that plastic Mega Man model, the Mega Mega Man X yeah. model. Like, oh, that was fun. That was a neat, a neat way to spend a couple of nights. You know, maybe this yeah. will be a neat way to spend a couple of nights. Yeah, everybody, all I dream about is retiring like the couple from Beetlejuice. No, like he's just got that scale model of the town, and that's his little hobby. I don't know what they do for a living. Mm-hmm. I don't know who they are. I think he owns the hardware store actually, but yeah, I don't. It doesn't matter mm-hmm. what they do. They just have this huge, beautiful house, and it doesn't stop when they die. If I were them, I would have just vibed and worked on my model and hung out mm-hmm. for eternity and and had like absolutely beautiful, loving sex with Gina Davis. I mean, like, what, what more could you ask for? No, just absolutely. Um, Abe says via contact. Uh, I've got to say this. This is the best I could have hoped for uh, for the episode to turn out. The gamers. This is Abe who sponsored uh, yes. the episode, by the way. Uh, the game was released at the same time my friends and I were getting into the Warhammer tabletop game and obsessed with all things Warhammer. I chose to sponsor this game because I have such strong, fond memories of it that I can't separate and I can't separate those positive feelings from any attempt to look at the gameplay critically. I knew you guys would give it an objective analysis and I considered it a bonus. They enjoyed the very metal, very skeletal content. <laughs> uh, I completely understand your frustrations with having to restart battles, but as a middle schooler in 1998, I had unlimited free time to replay levels as often as I needed so it never bothered me my longest ever battle took me more than three hours uh that being the final level during which every one of my units had been destroyed except for bernhard oh. only him the rest of his unit was but wiped out rather than restart i rode around using the banner of wrath to kill one enemy per magic phase until they were all dead oh. uh 
it's one of the best examples of the not at all productive ways I chose to spend time as a kid. And 24 years later, I would like that time back, please. <laughs> <laughs> I like how that, that paragraph ends. If I, if, I can get, if I can get that refund. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just, I really thought that was going to end with like, and I wouldn't have done it any other way. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was funny. Thank you, Abe. Uh, first, thank you for, uh, for sponsoring the episode and supporting us, but also for writing in. Uh, and uh, I mean, I, honestly, like the, the, the response to the Warhammer episode has been really good. I was kind of braced because, mm-hmm. you know, I felt, I felt kind of like I was trespassing on other people's turf being a, uh, yeah. be, be, being a tourist or whatever. I, I don't know what it is. I'm sure there are Warhammer fans who, to suck I'm positive. Uh, but, um, uh, at least the intersection of Warhammer fans and people who listen to our stuff is like full of really sweet people. <laughs> yeah. Everybody's so, real cool about it. And it, yeah. it's, it feels very welcoming. Like yeah. when you, when you walk into a subculture and you're a little bit wary or make fun of it, mm-hmm. some, you know, and I, I am really glad that it seems like the response to that episode was taken in the, the way it was intended, at least yeah. for me, which was an affectionate making fun of it. Like, yes. It's funny, but also it's kind of rules. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So also a uh, quick question, correction. Um, the Iron Kingdoms game is not Warhammer based. It's War Machine based. Okay. Okay. Uh, War Machine is different uh, as, uh, as I think he's, uh, he's... Matt Mox on the Slack uh, corrected me. So thank you mm. for that. He's uh, Iron Man's friend. I... Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> uh, very, uh, very different though. <laughs> nice. Um, and, uh, rounding out the Warhammer responses, uh, with Trond, who says via contact, I loved hearing your episode on Warhammer Dark Omen and glad that you liked the goofy and weird tone of the world. Some parts of the Warhammer world is very self-serious, but there is a lot of ridiculous things to find. A lot of the games are fun, and I hope you play Dawn of War, the squad-based 40k RTS. That was the title I was looking for, Dawn of War is the, uh, the, the one that was mm-hmm. kind of like Company of Heroes. Um, uh, but more than anything else, I recommend you read the enemy within series of adventures for warhammer fantasy roleplay this series of nine adventures slash source books are some of the best written tabletop rpg adventures i have ever run uh, they are filled with gripping details exciting npcs tons of flavor and a great mix of serious world building lovecraftian horror and silly goofs It's a great adventure, but also a great read. I do not think you really need any knowledge of the tabletop uh, of the tabletop RPG system to enjoy the source books. I, of course, uh, no recommendations are poison, uh, but knowing your predilections for source books and your newfound interests uh, in the Warhammer world, I thought you should know about this. I appreciate having a good uh, starting point for a source book, which I'm always down for a source book to uh, to thumb through. So. Thank you, yeah. Trond. I love reading adventures. I love mm-hmm. reading modules. Yeah. Um, I will have to hunt those down. It's been a long time since I've been to the uh, the big gaming store mm-hmm. in Portland. Uh, I will have to take a look yeah. and see if I can find the uh, the first one. Otherwise, I'll see if uh, the the remaining systems for Googling, mm-hmm. those PDFs are still around. Yeah. So, yeah, the, the main one dried up, but my backup uh, still has some stuff. So yeah, so. it's you know, it's it's like watching uh watching the 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 uh, lights on the side of a skyscraper blink out. Yes, <laughs> you know? it's yep, like slowly. Uh, I I'm so happy that I met before that happened. I downloaded a widget to mass download and downloaded hmm. the entirety of Shadowrun. Yeah, yeah. Uh, before that that went down. Yep. Um. Yeah. I hate being protective over old source books for editions of you know tabletop games. No one's ever going to play again. Yep. 
like that that mindset drives me nuts i also uh just found this out this is not uh related you know very you know thank you Trond. Mm-hmm. Uh, i will definitely look that up if you have a spare four hundred thousand dollars okay you can buy the original painted artwork of the Shadowrun logo what like that yeah, it's a they they're selling it through like a website called Noble Knight Games. I was looking for original Shadowrun art because I was like, this is I love Shadowrun art. It's so dumb. Mm-hmm. I would like to have some on my wall. And they have a couple of little pieces on there that are not very appealing. Mm-hmm. And then they have that, and it's four hundred thousand dollars, but it is the original painted logo, like that cool ass skull. And oh well, that's an investment. <laughs> yeah, like yeah, ex- exactly. That's a but like who who are these motherfuckers buying NFTs instead of the original Shadowrun art? I know, right. If I were a crypto bro, no, like I, w- I would jump off a bridge. But if <laughs> I was still me somehow. If I quantum leaped into a crypto bro, I would try to sell all my stuff and not be able to, and then jump off a bridge. Right. Uh, but in the, all the right circumstances, maybe I would buy the Shadowrun art. Yeah, yeah, you can, you can't launder money with uh, the Shadowrun art. So yeah, I guess that's true. It's not it's not a grift. Uh, yeah, but you could sell it. You don't yeah. have to wait for uh, you know uh, <laughs> enough enough other marks to to join the market to sell it to yeah. cash out. So, hmm. um, pretty rad. Yeah, uh, nice. Love tabletop shit. <laughs> it's good. Uh, yeah, and no one wrote in about State of Decay, which is very surprising. To me. Shame on you. Yeah, I thought more people had played that game. Yep, uh, more people have now. Uh, have gotten a lot of people uh, saying like, "Oh yeah, like I I wrote this off or I meant to play this, but other stuff came out." Like I'm really curious um yeah no uh do it so you know if we get another light uh, another light month and more of those come in later on i may throw one or two onto the end of a later uh dispatch but uh, as it stands right now no dice and you should all be ashamed but i will take this as an opportunity to say that weekend nights i am currently streaming state of decay 2 and it owns uh over nice. at twitch.tv slash duckfeed tv yeah. uh let us say uh first of all what we're doing in march yeah and then announce what we are doing in april let's do so march we are going to be playing first inscription uh next Mm -hmm. ultimate nes remix that is the kind of best of version that was released for the 3ds um it's great it's going to be a weird episode (laughs) i I beat it it's really fun Mm -hmm. it is going to be the most generality stacked thing we've ever done uh, you know, because otherwise it is just talking about old NES games. Yeah. Uh, part, part of the reason why I picked that as a vanity pick was because I wanted a structural challenge. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's uh, uh, it's cool. Yeah. Uh, and it's kind of a nice little climax to like our NES spring. Yeah. Yeah. You know, we've been doing a lot of NES stuff lately, which is great. Mm-hmm. Um, this is a good roundup. Agreed. Yeah. Uh, the third game that month is King's Bounty, specifically the version for uh, the Generous, uh, the Genesis. Uh, the Generous Genesis. <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, that game rules. It's uh, it's it's super interesting and feels ahead of its time in a lot of ways. Uh, yeah. So I'm excited for you to get into that and play that, Gary. Yeah. I'm starting today. Mm-hmm. And then finally, we're doing Until Dawn as our premium episode. Uh, very excited to talk about that. I have, uh, you know, played that very recently. Um, I'm going to probably just refresh my memory cause I played it real recently, Yeah, but I did uh, play man of Badan Ooh. with my girlfriend and it is not as good, but right. it, it's still fun. Yeah. <laughs> like boy, that game ends out of nowhere. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, that's the end. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and yeah. there's, the, there, there's something to recommend the other two as well. Uh, I think that the yeah. other two, you know, in a lot of ways are, are, are better while still having their own, uh, kind of, uh, kind of problems. Yeah. 
the next one looks really cool. The trailer for the next one is like, oh, we're going to play that. But I think that we're going to, the next thing we're going to play is uh, The Wolf Within. Oh, yeah. Nice. Uh, doing these kind of a story-based couch games. Yeah. Uh, April, uh, the first thing we're doing, uh, this is promoted, this is uh, sponsored by Randall. Um, we're doing The Shrouded Isle. Yes. Uh, I have not played it. I'm very mm-hmm. excited. It looks great. The mm-hmm. aesthetics are incredible. Mm-hmm. Has kind of that one bit aesthetic that uh, Return of the Oberdin had. Uh, this is a uh, a horror themed management sim where you are mm-hmm. running a council on an island that is ruled by cults who worship uh, old ones. So it's like a Lovecraftian yes. uh, kind of deal. So you are like making choices about like who to promote from which house uh, on different parts of the island to different posts, like deciding like mm-hmm. how punishing you want to be versus how, uh, you know, how much uh, you want to allow repentance, like how much you want to let knowledge pro- uh, proliferate, uh, you know, things like that. Making a bunch of choices. It's like a more complex version of Reigns, but with mm-hmm. absolutely stellar theming. Uh, Shrouded Isle rules. Yeah. Yep. I'm really looking forward to, to playing it. Uh, Randall, who uh, sponsored this episode, has a comic coming out. Uh, mm-hmm. We'll talk about that more when we talk about the episode. Uh, but it sounds really cool. Yes. So, uh, yeah. Uh, after that, we're bringing back topics, baby. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not just the, the you know, Jim Stormdancer is not the only one who can talk about <laughs> topics. Uh, we didn't officially retire these. We just did not have ideas for them for a while. Mm-hmm. You know? Uh, but we came up with one. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. the special topics that we are doing, uh, special topics, topics episode we are doing in April is going to be about Chuck E. Cheese. And by extension, yes. I think uh, we're going to throw in the uh, the rock fire explosion. Uh, yeah, that whole deal. Pizza. Showbiz pizza. Yeah. Uh, there was a documentary uh, so that came out recently. Uh, I'm sure there are books. We're just going to do like a history and talk about our experiences with them. Yeah, it's not so different than Fun Centers, which mm-hmm. we talked about, but I don't know about you, but I am feeling hard up for that kind of nostalgia of like being in a place. Yep. You know, uh, and uh, Chuck E. Cheese has an incredible history. Uh, Nolan Bushnell, the <laughs> psychopath, coke addict villain, <laughs> yep. uh, you know, who created them. Uh, it's interesting stuff. Mm-hmm. So uh, and uh, we're rounding out that month with a vanity pick from Gary, uh, which is Deathloop. Uh, I want to play it. It's arcane. It's event <laughs> crawler. I want an excuse to play it. Um, I've had it for a little while, but I haven't dove in because I'm sure we were going to play it for mm-hmm. the show. Uh, and we are. We are. So our premium is Deathloop. Mm-hmm. So it'll be uh, Deathloop is our premium episode for April. Premium episode for March is Until Dawn. The way those work is everybody on the public feed will hear the generalities. Uh, which is usually roughly an hour, maybe a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the kind of beat by beat uh, summary stuff uh, responding to the events of the game. All of those sections are going to be available uh, to our patrons, people at the $5 and up level. And you don't get just that episode. Uh, you get access to all of the previous ones, uh, something and an absurd number of them uh, at this yes. point. Yeah. Yeah. Um, if you are, are considering sponsoring an episode, you can do so at patreon.com slash duckfeedtv. Got plenty of slots mm-hmm. left for the year. Uh, we got some stuff already uh, kind of put in, but we do have uh, quite a bit. We do. Left, so feel free. And we can, we'll fill those in if not. But if you're interested in doing it, uh, the I like to let everyone know the turnaround time because people are interested in that. Um, right now we have stuff in May. Mm-hmm. We have we have a, a May slot and we have stuff in June as well. So if you end up uh, sponsoring an episode, it could be a pretty quick turnaround. The getting's good. The getting is indeed good. Uh, and that's that's basically it. 
Thanks really so. appreciate you listening and and uh, and taking care of us. Thank you so much. Um, thank you for writing in. Uh, hope you enjoyed this. Uh, you know all the stuff you can do to help us out. Uh, subscribe, ratings and reviews, patreon.com slash duckfeedtv. But most of all, coming back uh, and, yeah. uh, you know, just uh, continue hanging out and being cool. Yeah, you, got, you, you are the best. Mm-hmm. Uh, take care, stay safe, yeah. and we'll see you next week. Umbasa. Umbasa.